We're over We're here, here now. now. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> see, I was over there. Now I'm over here. But well, now I'm over here now. And now. Did you see that? I did. A few minutes oh. ago, I was over there. Yeah. Ooh. And then I took a few steps oh. and look. Yeah. I'm over here now. You and see that? you know, like I, a professional. I gotta say, uh. you're over here now, but it was a little bit more difficult to get over here now because they're doing freaking construction right outside on the sidewalk. Jack oh, hammers. Jack hammer and shit. Dude, eight o'clock in the morning. I'm like, we may, we may have a problem. Yeah. We may have a problem. I don't want to postpone this shit because I love Jerry. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't, who doesn't like the doesn't Jerry like Fall? Episode 39 going down. Yeah. Welcome, sir. The Blast Furnace. Oh, boys. This is going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. Boy. And I just want to point out that, oh, no, should I not mention it yet? What? Jerry brought some pastry. Yeah, he came prepared. Look, he's the only guest ever. 39 episodes. 39 episodes. Probably about 35 of them with guests. Yeah. And we got fucking pastry. We got from 13th pastry Avenue. From 13th, from 13th Avenue, Avenue. With, with, with the fucking guinea string and everything wrapped oh. around the fucking Oh, they're box. over here now. They're yeah, over now here. they're over here. Oh, look at that. You got pignoli oh. cookies. Oh. Nice. Maron. Maron. You got some seven layer right here. Wow, we got three fucking ginzaloons in the room. Oh, you got Italian it. You got biscuit, it. the this sesame. Oh, oh, it's like an it's S nice cookie. Oh. I'm going to go pignoli, you guys. Oh, don't oh. worry about the mess. Just make a mess. It's all good. Mm. I'll get it later. And if anybody out there listening has, fuck, what is it? Misophonia. You got to deal with it. Because I have it. I'm a sufferer. Oh, misophilioma? No, not misophilioma. <laughs> misophonia. It's a real thing. When you fucking get crazy rage when you hear someone chewing. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a real thing. Well, I fucking hate it. We're polite Jewish. <laughs> You're not going to hear it. You're polite Jewish? Polite. <laughs> Jewish. Oh, polite, polite chewers. Jewish. I thought you said you like you were polite no. Jews. We're not on a Mali. No, you yeah. know what? It's if, 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 you can't, um, if you can't deal with the chewing... You're gonna have to skip a, like an hour and forty five minutes into the podcast to the right to the end because we're going for a record today. Mm-hmm. We're going above an hour and a half. <laughs> All right, we're going on cookies well, who? and coffee. We're going two hours <laughs> or over here. Well, we we gotta go like two hours and like ten minutes. Howie Abrams <laughs> took over. All right. Yeah. Howie Abrams went two hours and six minutes. I think. As long as let me just show you guys what we're doing here. We're blowing oh, this we're thing doing. out. Oh it's yeah. All right. Blown out. Good morning, people. Right, right. Oh, trust me, I've I've distorted plenty of mics in my day. That's what we do here. It's okay. We distort mics. Right. Uh, I'm hoping someone on the trains listening to this in their headphones and they're like, yeah. "Oh God, <laughs> I'm going seven this layer right now. Seven long. layer. Oh, I'm gonna do the pinoli now. Pinolis. Yeah, actually, like three old yeah, men sitting there eating cookies and coffee. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. Nice. We got the guys outside, the mm. good union workers, the locals. You know, they're, they're doing their work, like good working class the whole, men. The whole sidewalk mm. is opened up. There's a guy up to his Thank chin God. in the sidewalk. I know. Thank Very God good. for yeah. you men who are out there working every day, you know, fixing the streets. I bet they're, I bet they're installing uh, the gas cutoffs because mm. uh, there's a new thing that got passed in New York City where... Um, there's emergency shutoffs to your gas lines being put in the street outside. There wasn't one before, by mm. the way. No. You know? No. Mm. Not that you I know just of. blow up at any yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Now they're like, oh, we should be able to shut it off in case there's a fire in the house. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the, one of the, we had like a, a an explosion down in the end of the street. Oof. The manhole freaking cover came yeah. flying up. That's always yep. a nice Sunday like, surprise. Dude, this whole house shook, shook so mm-hmm. hard. When, we heard, when I heard the explosion, well, I was here with somebody else. When that thing exploded, man... It was just like holy shit. You guys remember feeling the earthquake, by the way? Oh yeah, I didn't feel shit. I was oh, I was God. I was at work, and they were like, "Oh, oh my great. God!" 
It was hysterical. It was hysterical. I heard nothing. I, I was sitting nothing. on my couch right here, and my, and my cat's next to me, <laughs> and and I, and I feel it. I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck? And I look at my cat. My cat is like, and trade, yeah, what freaking is the up? fuck out. And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? And then I'm like. Did anybody just feel? I write on Facebook. Did anybody feel that? And somebody wrote about the uh, earthquake that was down in uh, where is that DC area? Yeah, or, I yep. felt nothing. It, it was it. it was an incredible experience for me mm-hmm. because um, my fiance she she's a scientist and I, I I find it hilarious that we were taking a nap. I don't know. It was the middle of the day. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm in business myself. I could do that. Mm-hmm. And um, we're laying there and. All of a sudden, the bed starts shaking, mm-hmm. and I look at the blinds, and they're kind of hitting off the wall, and the door is swinging, and the cat looks at me like, what is up with this? <laughs> I am out. like, And I was like, oh, man, it's an earthquake. And, you know, being that I live like kind of close to Marlboro Projects at the time, like, um, I thought, we're like right by the water. Mm-hmm. I was like, if there's a tsunami coming, if that happened offshore, oh, shit, yeah. you know, like, so I wake her up, and I'm like, hon, we got to go. Let you the know? tsunami come. We gotta go. And she's like, we gotta get to high ground. You know, we're gonna drive Diker Heights or something. <laughs> Diker Heights. <laughs> you know? And so she's she looks at me, dead straight face, you know, half asleep, <laughs> doesn't want to get out of bed, says, No, 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 that's not what's gonna happen. See, the, the ocean floor is just gonna absorb the wave and it's not gonna and I'm like, no, bullshit! <laughs> Tsunamis don't work like that. And then I was like, this that was an earthquake. And she's like, and like she starts like waking up and realizing what she's saying. She's like, "Oh my god, no! Yeah, don't listen to me. We gotta go." And like, and, and like we packed up the cat and like we get up and we go outside and and immediately, you know, neighbors are like, "Oh, there was an earthquake in in DC because mm-hmm. you know we had to get dressed and put the cat in a yeah in a carrier. Right. You had a cat in a satchel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> a little cat in the bag. It's it's scary. I, I honestly think forty five years living here, I never felt I felt an earthquake before, mm. but that's probably the most. That was the thing where I was just like, that was a fucking I earthquake. felt one there once. Was, there was the one in the 80s. I felt one once that? and I was actually up in Alaska. I was still in the Ooh, service. Yeah, yeah. I was in the service and I was a ba- I was basically out processing. I was I was getting the boot mm-hmm. and I was out processing and I was in like the fifth floor of some building and standing in front of a desk in front of like some colonel or whatever the fuck she was. And all of a sudden the fucking building started swaying and all the drawers and file cabinets opened. I'm wow. like, I'm like... And she's like, oh, you felt that? I was like, uh, yeah, what the fuck's going on? Mm. It's like, ah, oh, that was nothing. That was really far down. Because mm-hmm. they're so used to it up there, up in Alaska, I guess. I was right. just like, uh, so this is it, business as usual now? Mm. Like, all the drawers are open and the building's shaking, but what you, the fuck? You didn't, you didn't immediately go to Paranormal Activity or any of, the, any of those things? No, Harp. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Harp did. Oh, God, that whole thing. Don't even get me started on that. <laughs> oh, we, we can go. Go, go. We can I'm go. Interested. We can I, go. I, no, no, no. Like... <laughs> I, I just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, um, paranoia out there with certain things. And, and there's a lot of things that I, I understand that people are going to connect the dots and things mm-hmm. like that. Sure. But there's certain scientific methods that, you know, I look at certain things at the end. Like, if you're looking for an outcome, you can find the dots to connect things. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I believe certain things, yes, can be uncovered and... You know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the podcast. Right. Oh, I know how you guys thank get. Thank you, sir. I know how you guys get. Sometimes it's hysterical. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. But it's it's frustrating sometimes for me at home. And my friends are on the show with you guys. And you guys are my friends. And we're looking around. I'm, I'm sitting and I can't even jump in the conversation. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I've listened to I'm, shows like that. And I'm like, fuck, like, man. I'm like, oh, I, I want to oh, point out. Oh, you know. And, <laughs> yeah. And, I can't, you know, I'll. People, I mean, I guess if people see me listen to it, because mainly I'm doing it when I'm like, I'm 
editing like drums or something mm-hmm. like that and mm-hmm. you know I'm listening on my like phone or whatever and um, you know people be getting into to, you know different elements of life you know mm-hmm. in the podcast right. when they when they go off of their projects and they yeah. you know talking about the things mm-hmm. you know from like you guys talk about like social media mm-hmm. and things like that oh. and people's involvement on their phones sure. and, oh, yeah, you know, and everything like that and it's and I look at it you know and you know have a very positive outlook Right. On, on life, everything, there are definitely always negative aspects to certain right. things, but there's sure. always like kind of positive. Of course, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 um, you know, so sometimes like I'll find myself listening to to, to the podcast, and I'll like people be going off on a tangent, and I just I want to jump in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you. like like even when I hear you say that, like I want to jump in like to that, and I want right. you know, there's so many things to love to touch on, but mm-hmm. um, you know, who knows. Who knows what the hell we talking about? I mean, about. we're gonna do two hours. Uh, if yeah, I know we're gonna yeah, we're gonna go. My like computer doesn't max, shut down, which I don't think it works. Is it plugged in? Yeah, it's plugged yeah, in. Good. <laughs> well, it's, it's all that matters. Uh, we're good. We're good. Uh, yeah. How's the how's the cookies, gentlemen? The oh, seven layers. I just, are, I just did a pignoli. Well, yeah, there's, like, a, there's another. He was telling the Alaska pinoli. story, and I was kind of in a yeah. Pignoli cookies are my favorite, dude. The the seven layers. These are great. I got an interesting story about seven layers. Wow. Ken Shark from Candiria's mom would make seven layers cook seven layer cookies all the time. All the time, mm, homemade, and uh, it's gotta be a pain in the ass. Shout out to Mama Shark. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, shout out to shout out to his wife Grace. How you doing? Yeah, shout out to Grace. Shout out. To I know Ken. Grace for a yeah, long Ken. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so does Jerry. We all know Grace, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, a long time. Yeah, early but, early nineties, probably. Like I remember 92. when Grace had um. She worked in the record shop in Caesar's Bay. That's right, Caesar's yeah. Bay Bazaar. That's, yeah, that's when I first disgrace, met her. and yeah, that's why I first met her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was when like, she had white I was like an awkward little teenager. I was like, hi, you know, like. Yep. I went up to, um, you know, I used to get my, my CDs down there. I used to get my cassettes from Did you, get, you know, a, get a, an airbrush t-shirt down there? Probably. Maybe a hat or something. Well, it's bizarre. Yeah. Bizarre. Like, <laughs> what, what, yeah. what, what, what were the, <laughs> those 90s hats with the, the, like the metal plating on the front? Yes. Yeah. The metal <laughs> plates. Or whatever it was. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, I used to get my cassettes from Dom Man on the Street on the second floor. Mm. That little booth he had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I was little too, man. Yeah. I was like yeah. fucking twelve years old. Yeah, same here, man. Season Bay, man. We're talking. I going bought back, Meta- I bought Metallica Ride the Lightning on cassette in there. The only I, people, only people I know about Season Bay, you had to, you got to be from here. No one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no one knows what the fuck we're talking you know, about. Listen, a, there was a little fucking rinky dink fucking little, little boots flea market. And shit. It was a flea market. Yeah, it was I mean, great. Great for when you needed to go Christmas shopping. Yeah, you know, just a great place to go, just to walk around. Go to the record store and just see like see your friends. You know you're running into yes. fifty friends. You know. So like, me me and my buddy Fred Jackson, one of my major influences, who got me into music as a kid. Um, me and Fred used to like walk from where we lived, mm-hmm. you know, in Diker Heights, all down to Caesar's Bay. We walk along the water and just kind of. That was you know like our thing you know and just, what are you gonna do today like going just walk down to Caesar's Bay and like, you know we go buy go record shopping mm-hmm. if we couldn't go into the city or something like that and and. Um, City is Manhattan for early people not from New York. That's yeah. what outer borough people call it. I just had that conversation yeah. with somebody. Some guy, he just moved here and he's like, so the cities, that's Manhattan? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. It's all the city, five <laughs> boroughs, but you know, you get it. So like me and Fred would go down to Caesars Bay and like, I remember I bought uh, Fugazi's 13 songs on cassette from Dom and like, it's like I was in like, you know, eighth grade buying some pretty random records mm-hmm. and um you know i loved getting going to the t-shirt booth you know oh, yeah. and, and yeah. but my favorite thing about um caesar's bay was was this 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 asian guy had this um this clock store mm. and it was like a, like he had like 300 clocks like watches clocks and every week me and fred would go up to him and ask him what time it was 
And every week, his reaction would change. Like, the first two, three weeks, he'd be like, he'd be like, oh, hi, 245, or whatever it was, you know what I mean? And, and by the fifth, sixth week... He was pissed. He would see us, and he'd be like, ha, 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 very funny. Like, cause he, like you know, because he knew that... Like, you know, we, we, was, we knew what time balls. it was. Yeah. We knew what time it was. Of course right. you did. You, you know? <laughs> By the third time, he's like, yeah, he'd see us. Go, okay, yes. And, you know, they're going to ask me. And, you know, <laughs> and then, and I don't know. Then we found, like, the final word. And we, we lost, you know, interest in that. And we walk around with that. And then, Fuck you. Eat shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Harassing the little Chinaman. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it wasn't that. You know, it, was, it was mainly Chinaman. just. Am I allowed to say that Chinaman, nowadays that's, in 2018? That's, that's, can I say Chinaman? Yeah. I According to uh, Walter from the Big Lebowski, Chinaman is the preferred nomenclature. <laughs> preferred nomenclature. It Lebowski. is. Uh, uh, Lebowski. I wish you... the dude was here right now. Mm. I've never seen it. Anyway, to get You've back... never seen the Big Lebowski? No. I'm very what? disappointed in you right yeah. now. I've heard what? so many... We're going to sit down. All right, listen. Okay, here's the plan. I swear. Here's I hear so many references to Shut this fucking movie. Shut the fuck up. Really really here's the plan. Here's the plan. We're gonna, you're gonna watch the Big Lebowski, <laughs> and we're gonna do a podcast about it because it's a really important yes, movie. Yes, I'm Jerry. If you want to come by, yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, I've back. heard nothing. I've, 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 oh, I've always heard references to it. Mm-hmm. The dude, this, that. I don't know what no one's talking about. It's a great. It's, Nobody it's one of the best the films Jesus. ever made. It's definitely. I'm, my, I mean, the Coen Brothers. All the movies. I love most of their movies. Me too. I didn't. I wasn't crazy about the one. That they put out recently with uh, I forget the, even forget the damn name of it. It was something to do with Hollywood and uh, filmmaking, and it was it was honestly it was like the most forgettable Coen Brothers film. Yeah, I unfortunately, didn't even see it. I loved I, I love all of them. Um, oh, brother, where art thou? Oh, such a great I love movie. That. I mean, not only the music is amazing mm. on that. Yeah, like, it's so so good. But you know, uh, what's it based off? The Iliad is it? The, the, uh, the story is kind of based off of either the Odyssey or the Iliad, like loosely, and, and mm. uh, it's it's really that that's a that's a terrific piece. Like yeah. I, you know, like I, I've never been able to like when it comes to like movies, films, and things like that. Like I'm an audio guy, and I believe that you know, music is a huge thing. Dialogue is a huge thing that needs to pull me into the movie. Um, if I can take a movie and I could put it on like well. I would date myself cassette back in the day and put it in my car and drive to Philly and listen to that movie and still like picture it in my head after I seen it. I think it's a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, if you're an actor who makes me forget what actor you are, yeah. it's fantastic because I, I tend to look at things like with a production value. Right. You know, yeah. um, I can just, you know, suspend disbelief and things like that. But a lot of times I'll be like really blown away by it. Look at what they're doing. Like, how is this? And, you know, and this is an amazing collaboration. Yeah. You know, but, um, that you know, those guys they, they consistently kind of deliver. Um, I feel like a mood for each movie. Like Lebowski, mm. is it's really funny, but it's not ha ha funny. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. And it just has there's, there's great a really dialogue. dark aspect to that. There's some really dark like concepts in that film. Um, the same thing with uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Uh, that scene where they go down to the. Think like I've heard of that. Never seen it. The scene oh, where really? they, go down, they go down to the water and uh, there's, there's, there's three sirens there. And that's, that. first of all, that Hear song is so gorgeous. Yeah. Oh. Holy shit, it's so beautiful. And then what is what did he say? They turned you into a whirly frog. They or turned something. you into a toad. Yeah. We thought you was a toad. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It's yeah. so good. John Goodman in that about. movie, how dark. Well, John that? Goodman rules. He rules. Dude, in this film, he's so, 
What does he say? He does. It's funny you say John Goodman. I was thinking about John Goodman like 2.30 a.m. I, I have a problem with sometimes sleeping with like and ideas. And you start thinking about John Goodman? Yeah. I was thinking about literally like I would love to cast him in a TV show. Oh, dude. John Goodman is awesome. He's incredible. Like, I'll, I'll put it out here right now. This is the thought I had last night. All in the family. Huh. Redone. John Goodman. Except he's a huge Trump supporter. Mm. And his, his daughter is from Staten Island and she's dating a hipster. Wow. Right. Wow. Well, that's, that's, that's the makings of a real nice, like, tons of arguments. He calls him, you know, he calls of... him libtard, you know, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's, these hipsters, <laughs> these hipsters are ruining our country, you uh-huh. know, and he's sitting on the, on the thing, he's looking at the TV, John Goodman would kill that. I yeah, think. he would, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, and, I mean, I would love to look into, I'm not, you know, I'm not a guy who pitches TV shows, but mm. I mean, if there was ever one I would, that would be it, yeah. you know. It so probably wouldn't last, people would, get, people would get too offended, I think it wouldn't even last. That's why it would be perfect. That's yeah. why it would be, you couldn't do that for more than two, three seasons, but now is the exact time for that, because you'd be able to kind of make fun of both sides. You'd be able to do like kind right. of like a South Park mm-hmm. right. type yeah. thing, you know. Well, all in the family, he was an idiot, and like he made fun of himself, like, just, he was, but he was such a like a, a lovable bigot. Like, yeah, exa- you know, exactly. Like, yeah. like, Archie Bunker ruled, man. Yeah. yeah, he did. And but you know, he called a meathead, and you know, and and it was that hippie verse, you know, the old, you know, bigoted curmudgeon. You know, yeah. he's just sitting there, and he's just like, wow, the world. And he contradicts shit, himself you know? all the time. And, yeah. Yeah, it's it would be. Funny. It would be. I think it'd be a terrific show, you know. But, yeah. but that's would, that's my insane mind. And I, I think it's actually I think it's important that we have that kind of entertainment too, because right now people want to have these conversations. They want answers. People, like uh, you know, my family, they have all different. My family, I have a big family, so there's mm-hmm. all different types of political views. But the people that do that are on the other side of the fence, so to speak, from from where I'm seeing things, um, they want to talk to me. They want to have these like they want to ask me. Because I'm the I'm the libtard that they yeah. can actually yeah, talk yeah. to and and try to reason with and try to understand and I think it's healthy. You need that. You need that because, you know, look, my life I I'm, I interact with all kinds of people. Mm-hmm. My, my, you know, I'm 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 on the road. I, I meet so many different types of people. A lot of people's lives, especially when you're raising a family in the suburbs, your life is very small. You a lot of what you see and what you experience happens through a freaking screen, a TV screen. Yeah. that's yep. how you get to know. Hipsters, because mm-hmm. you're not fraternizing with these people. You're not going out to Williamsburg, hanging out, going to Bushwick to go to some. You know what I mean? You're not meeting mm-hmm. young people, so it's important that uh, people. I don't want to. <laughs> well, I mean, look, you may not look, but it's 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 not just hipsters. It's not just you know. It's just not liberals. It's all walks of life. They're not people. Not everybody has the opportunity to go out and just conversate with people like we yeah. do. Like right. yeah, we, Bridget, live, we live a very social life. Right. That, that's you know? what I, I mean, me personally, like what I try to do when, I try to argue with people um, on say social media or things like that. I try to go back and forth because uh, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm not changing anyone's mind. No. Like, you know, like really what it comes down to is that same here. You know, I'm trying to bridge the conversation at times and trying to bring right. like kind of an understanding at times. If I even get into it to begin yeah, with. Yeah, even if you, you know? even want to delve into Sometimes that. even like if I post something, it's it's something that maybe I'm debating in my head or something like that or I'm having like kind of like Louis C.K. Like he, he talked about like, you know, when he comes up with a joke, it's basically an argument with himself, you know? Right. You know, it's like, you know, um, you know, things like, you know, why am I going to do this? Like, you know, I have enough arguments with people in my head who aren't even in the room. Right. You know what I mean? I don't need to bring it into that world. Right. And I think that, you know, like, 
certain words have become like kind of like safe words to attack people with right. like you know like liberal is a safe one mm-hmm. you know uh alt right and 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 things like you can just as soon as someone voices a certain opinion you can shut everything they say down by just throwing another yeah a safe word that's is like hipsters a safe words to basically say about an entire generation of people mm-hmm. millennials another one but really it's like is there really like a difference between the generations because there isn't because like i look at the all in the family like situation or something like that or say we go back to like vietnam war era you know you have people saying cut your hair hippie mm-hmm. yeah you know what i mean and now it's you know shave your mustache hipster like yeah. get a job millennial like it's the, kind of the same thing it's it just is. it's just a different look and it really, it's it's usually the the old who are usually get you know kind of jaded towards life and maybe have a more quote unquote reasonable approach to it. And then there's the younger, no, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna change the world, or I'm gonna do this differently. You know, I mean, right. like when we look at our generation, right? Like the the quote unquote generation X. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of like right on the cusp of the end of that. You know, um, what was the word they described us in the '90s? Like, well, with Generation X. Yeah, but but yeah. there was a word that he used to call us apathetic. Right. Mm. You know, the apathetic generation. And now I can tell you, like, as adults, these apathetic motherfuckers, they are pretty damn vocal yeah. about <laughs> how they feel about today's yeah. music. Mm-hmm. Today's Our generation youth. slapped with the fucking My X. music was the best. You know what I mean? I think yeah. every generation of course. says yeah. that their music was the best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Music now stinks, though. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's but it's good. Case to be, in point, it's good to exactly. be, it's good to be conscious pause. of it. I mean, when we when we do when we do this podcast and we you know through throughout several episodes we've had conversations that lead that way, and I'm always the guy to be like, but don't we sound like a bunch of old old men now? But we do, like, yeah, and, we're right. yeah, and we're entitled to that, and we're entitled to that entitlement. It's, it's no, <laughs> you see, that's another thing. You're another entitled. word, entitlement. Another that word. word. Right. People, We're entitled to our own opinion, just like yeah. everyone else is. And if you don't like it, too bad. I might not like yours. You don't like mine. All right. So what are we gonna mm-hmm. do from here on? Right. Go back and forth for what? Right. How about you move on with your day? Right. There's no work. There's those buzzwords. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. People use, I believe, now to to get their point across in like blurbs. You know, mm-hmm. in sound bites. Like we, right. you know. I think that the way that like we, we look at like things like social media and, 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 and music of how it's you know shared, right. like I have like very opposing thoughts for me like as you know someone who makes records to being someone who you know listens to them you know wants people to have a creative you know passion towards it you know we look at like social media and like how people get out there. And we immediately say, it's making people dumb. It's making people dumb. It's making... They said the same thing about television. Mm. They said the same thing about the radio. Yeah. Recording, you know? Like, there, there, was, there was ears when the boob tube, you know? It's going to make, you know? And, you know, we, we, we joke around. Like, we go to the park, like, when I was a kid. We go on that. But I also played a lot of video games in the 80s. And, I, right. you know, I also watched a lot of cartoons on Saturday morning. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So but you, like, still be, but you still found time and you had the drive to actually go yeah. outside and interact with people. Yeah, but I think this still I was on my fucking that. Nintendo and my Sega Genesis too. Yeah. yeah. But then again, Coleco. Game Boy. <laughs> I didn't have Coleco. I had Coleco. I didn't. I had <laughs> Atari. Coleco. I had the I had Atari twenty six hundred. I had the first Nintendo. I had the first Sega. I had Sega Genesis and then the first PlayStation. What about and then I the s- Xbox and that's it. I'm I still about, have my Atari fourteen hundred. In television. In what about Anybody it? Anybody having television? I didn't have it. I had it. 
No, what's that? And television? I've heard of it. Awesomeness. <laughs> it was just great. got so excited. Yeah, it was the great. Just... Because the, for me, I, when I was 12 years old, I used to play. I used to play Dungeons and Dragons. I used to be one of those mm-hmm. kids, and they had the game. A video game version of it. It was hard. Oh, was that the one with the cartoon? Yeah. No, yeah. no, 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 no. That no, was no, Dragon's no, Lair. Yeah, 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 I've never yeah, yeah. seen that in anything else other than an arcade. Oh, yeah, yeah. If I hit Definitely the lotto, I would get, I would, yeah. I would get that Lair fucking Dragon's Lair. Yeah, but it would rip three quarters. Oh, like, dude. It would. You be- couldn't do it. No one does it. No one wins. No. But it's so cool. It's so cool. It is. Yeah, they recently referenced that in Stranger Things, which I appreciate it. Dragon's rules. You know. Anyway, we went off on a tangent. No, that's yeah, good. Right. That's good. Tangents are good. are good. Yeah. It's called an organic conversation. Yeah, another word, organic. Organic. Yeah. <laughs> we have a GMO-free conversation here. I don't know if these cookings are gluten-free, but I'm having no, another No, they're definitely not gluten-free. No. Yeah. I'm only going to have one more. Because oh. I'm gluten-free. No, I'm not gluten-free. Indulge a nice pignoli. I had a pignoli. I'm going to go sesame in a minute. But give okay. me a second. I'm, mm. I'm working on it. I'm working my way toward it. Take 10 minutes. I will. I will. We're going to be here for another hour and a half. I know. Uh, so, Jerry, let's go back to um, let's go back to the beginning, bro. Yeah, what do you oh. do now? Oh, <laughs> but we're going to the beginning, not now. Um, what was it, or what happened that got you into music? How did you How did you come to like become? I want to be a part of music in some way. I want to play music. I want to record music. Uh, well, that's that's. I'm very interesting. Like, you know, I was watching fucking All in the Family, <laughs> and my fucking annoying friend had a recorder next to me, and he was playing it like he thought he knew what the fuck was going on. The recorder. First time I saw a recorder played, it was by Mike Patton, and it blew my mind. Wow. Like, wow. You see that? Look at that. Look at that. Segway. Awesome. But, um, yeah, well, let's start at the beginning. Okay, I'm Gerard and Farley. Um, in real life, I play the Jerry Farley. Who is a uh, record the. producer, audio engineer? Yeah, the the sometimes the worst nickname to get. Ugh, it's, no, talk about yourself in the third person. So douchey sometimes, but sometimes. You know, but it you can be funny it, it, if you recognize that it's the it, it's yeah. douchey, then it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you don't get to pick your own. Right. You know. You know. So, you know, I grew up with knowing John and Johnny Bebop. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I love it. Yeah. You know? yeah. I'm, it's and, nice when I hear that too because I, that's when I know someone knows me really. Yeah. Well. It's like it's like growing up. Like I knew, you know, Justin Brandon is Justin Mupp. You know, yep. like, yeah. and you know, I'm, I'm mind you, thank yeah, you guys for having problem. me on. I feel like yeah, this is an welcome. honor. I'm like after Lou and Justin Brandon. I'm like, oh my god, how am I gonna like follow these guys? These guys like travel the world and like do things that I'm sitting in a studio over the past years. But at the end of the years. day, just like 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 <laughs> last week, Lou was sitting there. Regular guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's it's really your, your piece of this puzzle. Like, when you know, it all comes back to music. It really does. Because and you it, did work on a Sick of It All record. Yes. Yeah, you worked on it. I, I mean, it was to me, it was a no-brainer because you're a close friend. We all know each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're a part of the local music scene. You book shows. You've been doing shows in, in Coney Island for years, which I mm. definitely want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, you make records. You produce records. You support the scene. You go to shows. You... Book shows, you do all kinds Keeping of crazy the stuff. scene alive. Yeah, man. So it's it's a really important aspect of this. So yeah. to me, it's just like, can, are you another... taking the scene back? Uh, no, I know uh, who I know. took it from you. Yeah, exactly. I, I um, <laughs> corny. I never go anywhere. I'm still dressing. I mean, the same way I did when I'm 16 years old. Same and here. It's literally the same actual T-shirt, probably from Dude. the CR record in '95 or '96 or whatever '94. But um. Getting back to your question of, of music, um, there's two two main factors I think that really influenced me to get into music. One would be my parents, and the other would be my buddy Fred, 
um, who was my next door neighbor, my first best friend, my longest running friend since I'm probably like, you know, four or five years old. And um, basically, I grew up around, you know, like kind of like your your family is very supportive of like your, you know, looking into music and sure, buying yeah. a guitar. My dad was a, a drummer. Do you know what I mean? And he worked as a film editor. For oh, cool. He worked on movies like, you know, I think he worked on like one of the Nightmare on Elm Streets or things like that. He worked at a um, do art in Manhattan. How the but hell then, did we not know that? That's so cool. And, yeah, well, really. well, because Which basically, Elm Street? Uh, I don't, I don't remember which one. He, he had, uh-huh. like, you know, he worked on a lot of different. He might have also worked on a Friday the Thirteenth. Um, but you know, do art. Oh. He worked on a Bob Marley documentary, and he kind of, you know, hung out with Bob a few times. And, you know, yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I mean, my dad had me at like twenty. You know, so I grew up around like listening to the who being blasted yeah you know i grew up with vinyl lining the the walls Same you here. know um zeppelin you know rush queen queen black sabbath my first vinyl I ever got was my dad gave me black sabbath's uh you know black sabbath first record hey, and that's the one that's a lot yeah that, that's it's, it's for a lot of people and he, he told me he says uh i bought this record um your, your you? grandfather heard it I put on the first song and he said, uh, your grandfather heard it and he came in my room and he broke it over his knee. Wow. And I was like, that is so badass. Yeah, you know? As soon as he rules. heard this, you know, say, Ethan's coming around the band, you know, like, right. you know, it was just, my grandfather wasn't having it, you know, Irish Catholic, mm-hmm. you know, right. scenario. And, um, you know, so my dad used to like actually say to me like, all right, you know, in, in a fun way, not like a, you know, like, you can't go outside, but he'd be like, you know, before you go out and play, like, what drummer is this? You know? And I'd be listening to a drum solo by, like, Carl Palmer from, like, ELP or something. And, and, like, I would know it, you know, because of what he was using or how he kind of played. And, uh, you know, because it was there was a lot of repetition. Uh, I believe repetition is a huge thing in our society. <laughs> yeah. You know, when it comes to, quote, unquote, what people call the best era of music is. You know what I mean? It's always the repetition of what they heard in their formative years of sure. being a teenager and, and you know, discovering who they were, what group they fit in with, you know? And um, for me, you know, I listen to these, these quote-unquote classic rock bands, they call them now, you know? And uh, and I was like, okay, cool, that's nice, you know, then you know, talk about it. But I, I was like into drawing, I was going to be an artist, quote-unquote, and that started pissing me off. And then um, my next-door neighbor, Fred... You know, I went over his uh, his house one day, and he just had a, a, a white Metallica one shirt on, and I said, "He listens headbanger shit." You know, like what everyone in South Brooklyn says, <laughs> "It's headbanger shit." Kill your mother, shit. Kill your mother, shit. I don't know why everyone always reacted that way. Everyone would shake their head. I'm like, okay, you know, and he was like, "You have to listen to this," and and I and he had the the one seven inch, and like we went and listened to it, and that ending just. And that was it. I was in. You know what I mean? And I went to like my first my first shows were all in like the same first week. When did when did Injustice for All come out? That was eighty eight. Yeah. Yeah. So this is so this is seven or eighty eight. So this is right before this is in between that was right before the black album came out. Because I remember like being psyched for the black album. Um because my first set of concerts were all like one week. And it was um, I went to my f- my first concert was the 
Faith No More, Guns N' Roses, Metallica tour. Wow. Both nights. That's awesome. Do you always say concert? Because I never say concert. No, that's a concert. Because yeah. it's in an arena. Yeah. Regatia. Yeah. Yep. You know, my okay, first I agree. Show, I agree. My first show that week was Guar at the Ritz. Nice. And wow. no what one's great, ever beat that show. What a great show. week. <laughs> that, no one's ever beat that Guar show because... Did Leeway open that? No. Uh, the... Buzzcocks did. Okay, because I saw Guar and Leeway at the Ritz. Yeah, so wow. like I'm like 13 years old at a Guar show getting, like, I mean, they were full on Scumdogs Universe blood everywhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, they were like, yeah. they were out there. And it, it was, it, it just, I loved it. It was, and it was really, really disgusting. Yeah. In a way of its content. So it kind of set me apart from my dad's generation, you know, where it's like, you know, the who is going, who the fuck are you? You know what I mean? And now my generation is going, you know. Maggots! Maggots, maggots are falling like rain! Maggots are falling like rain! You know? And, you know, they had me. And then I went to my first my first local show, like, that week, too. Like, right after that. Because, like I said, it jumped all in. And it was, like, the Crazy Country Club. And it was, like, Rejuvenate. And, like, Nobody's Perfect. Wow. And, like... So the next I week, used to love Nobody's Perfect. So, I seen yeah. them so many times back in the yep. day. And and uh, and so then then I immediately like I mean I went all in like right away with like local bands. So then like I would see like the Mess Puppies and and um, and like Dead Air. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I know. And I would buy band. And I and I would I would buy all these records. And Shame. I would, <laughs> and I would study them. Sorry. You know what I mean? I, I honestly, I would study them. And like, you know, like the green glass doors. <laughs> I, I just love that. I was addicted to it. Thanks. Yeah. You know, like. um, Shout out to Wayne. Yeah, Wayne. Amazing drum on my, you know. I, I, I see most of my personal heroes weren't like the Carl Palmers, you know, and, and uh, you know, the. The, the, the mega drummers, you know, they were the ones that I could tangibly go see on the regular, like Wayne, like Ken Schalk, mm-hmm. you know, um, Danny Schuler. Um, you know, there's so many. I love that and, guy, by the way. And, uh, you know, yeah. And I'm, I'm, in, I'm in my, my dad's, behind my dad's drum set, you know, as an early teenager and trying to figure out what they're doing. Oh, he was a drummer. Yeah. So, oh, I see. Like, okay. so my dad, like he had, he, well, I still got the set. You know, and people, many, many people have used it on, on albums. It was actually the snare from my dad's Vista-like Ludwig set that he traded a car for in the 60s. Uh, that snare was just on the Madball 7-inch that I did with them. What was wow. the chains? Wow. Yeah, the split. Wisdom, was yeah, the, the split. So, um, Very cool. Yeah. It was so happy that that was selected because it was like a personal thing mm-hmm. to me. Like that, um, this, this, this set that has been with my family for, you know, longer than I've been alive. Um ended up on something like that, you know, but... um, On a Madball song. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's and, you fucking know, cool, man. Because, you know, when I started playing, you know, drums, I, I, you know, I went to a few guitar lessons and, and I had some, uh, Chris Barberi who played Nobody's Perfect, he was a little bit my guitar, you know, guy for a little bit and he was like, go home and like learn a record, you know, and so I went home and learned, you know, Rage Against the Machine, first record, front to back. Love it. Still. You know, once he showed me the tuning, you know, I was like, I went and I just sat there with it. So once I did that, I was like, I'm not going to the guitar lesson. I'm going to figure these all out, you know? Right. And I stopped going to guitar lesson. I just sat behind the drums and like sat behind the guitar and just, you know, and, you know, I've never been in a band that's been quote unquote, you know, successful. Right. You know, kind of, I've been plenty of like all my close friends were in bands with me and, you know, but um, moving out into the world, I found the only way for me to really connect with uh, music like that, 
was in the studio kind of scenario. It wasn't in the, the touring performance thing. It was just like, because I love the interaction of um, the creative process. Sure. You know what yeah. I mean? And that was the first thing I honed into. I think more than the live shows were like a chance for me to see what you could do in person. You know, see what you were doing on that record and hear it, you know, transition. You know, a lot of people go and they'll, they'll yell about shows like, that show was terrible. That, you know, that sound was horrible. I don't care. I really it was very rarely do I ever say that was a bad, bad show. I think I've said it probably three, four times in my life. Mm. Because there's different moving parts to every live show. It's a live performance, you know. Yeah. Different room, different engineer, different crowd. Different, different acoustics. Energy, different acoustics, different thing that you're going through that day. Like, I don't expect the yeah, record even the, Even the band performing could be going through something. Yeah, like you just, they could have an off night. It happens. Yeah, like Lou, Lou mentioned that he's like, I uh, talk about this times to get on stage and I mean, they can not even be talking to each other. And they, but, you know, and, but then that performance, when they get together, that's the cathartic thing that brings them together and kind of, you know, lightens the mood. But to me, like, I love the studio aspect. I love the creative process of... Uh, being with the musician and kind of pulling out their vision. Yeah. Pulling out their idea. And you're re really great at that. Thank you. Thank you. I yeah. try. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, I try. I'm, uh, I'm definitely learning. Yeah, so I'm learning. Run off, run, run off for the people. Off the top of your head. Off the top. Bands that you have album credits that, you know, that you worked with. Oh, we're going over here now. Yeah, we're, we're, all, we're, all, we're all always over. over. You might as well go over there for a minute. Well, basically, I've had the because um, I know there's I've, a lot on yeah. the flyer. I put like six or seven, but that's yeah. just like the tip of the iceberg. I've had um, the the. I'm very grateful to have worked with some not only amazing artists but with some amazing producers. So like a lot of album credits I've even worked along um, have been you know me as I grow. Sometimes I can't help but look at the recording because no, that's I'm what I do. Because if you see it stop, just let me know. <laughs> so, um, you know, backup plan. I, I work with you know people like Machine. You know, when I did the Every Time I Die, mm. um, got a phenomenon, and I, I work with you know Two Madsen on that. The um, last act of Defiance is sick of it all. You know, I mean, I was the engineer and he he was the producer. You know. And then I produced the last um, Sick of It All 30th Anniversary. When the smoke clears. Uh, yeah, smoke clears, yeah. Which, you know, for me, was like a checklist of life thing. Dude, you know? yeah, man. Because I remember where I was when I when I listened to Just Look Around. Like, I, right. I was, I was once again, like 14 years old or something like that. 14 to 15, my first girlfriend in, like, a rectory on, like, 13th Avenue of a church. She was working, and I, she brought the tape, and she's like, oh, I heard this, and I put it on Mom, and I was like, what is this? So fucking good, you man. Know? And, um, you know, in Life of Agony, you know, yeah. it was like, you know, this past year, my buddy Matt Brown, you know, he did the, the new Life of Agony. Yeah. And, and, uh, sounds great. Yeah, it sounds great, you know what I mean? And, and you know, they, I, I had a little bit of contributing on, uh, on that when it came to, you know, helping the process along and, you know, and, you know, so I have like close friends and then I have like, you know, like these producers like Zeus, uh, who I did the VOD record with. And, Which VOD record? Um, uh, Raised to the Ground, the okay. one we did at Nova probably about two years ago, okay. I want to say. So did their last one? Yeah, yeah, the, okay. the most recent one. Um, and then the, the video um, for that, for the single, was uh, directed and produced by my, my partner, uh, Frank Nasso, who owns Nova Studio. Gotcha. Whereas well, the majority of my work is done, you know what I mean? Um, but... You know, I mean, I worked on a lot of 
a lot of records, a lot of things from, say, let's say Madball, Sick of It All, um, to independent artists, to, you know, people like Cat McPhee, uh, you know, um, to musicals, to, I, like, someone sent me, um, uh, my, this guy, the, an artist I'm working with, this guy Frank, he, he sent me pictures yesterday of uh, the most precious blood demo I did in 2000. Oh, shit. At Fastlane. Wow. Um, which was my first Hey, Mikey gig. Big Balls. <laughs> <laughs> Shrimp Palm. Um, you know, and Mike Mike Ferrara was, was one of the first people to give me a um, a start, you know. Yeah. He, so he knew I was going to school for engineering and music, and that was when I finally kind of said, you know, oh, I need to get back to learning what yeah. I'm doing. Went inside to go, you know, away to school while everyone was off on tour. You know, my buddies in Decision, Shut Down and all them. You know, Candiria, they're all on tour. Everyone's, you know, I, I was in school. And, um, you know, like, looking back at those those early records, like, of course I can get, could have been better. You know what I mean? It's like 17 years ago. But I always feel like I'm trying to get better. Sure. At what I'm recording. And the... Um, See, the demo back then was just like, I was just excited to record them, yeah, you know? Sure. And I still kind of get that same exact excitement. Do you have a copy of that still? Uh, I think... I don't think I've ever some actually of that might, heard it. Some of that might be on the vinyl re-release. I know there's a seven-inch re-release of it, uh, which I got last year when they played the Vitus show or something like that. But um, but it was awesome. That, that was, you know, like my first guy who got me into like recording was Ron Thal. You know, I don't know if any of you guys know him, Bumblefoot. He played yeah. uh, Guns N' Roses for a bit. And so we record with him on like Bay 8th Street in okay. this little studio. And like the Indecision Unorthodox record was done there. Like there was so, so many good. records like done there. And, you know, it was a small little room. And and like when I'd be mixing like my demo, like I would be like, what are you doing there? What are you doing? You know what I mean? And he was so gracious to just tell me and show me. And that piqued my interest. And then like, you know, when I started going to school for it, and, you know, after interning at some studios in Manhattan for my last high school, you know, I found that um, I really, like, I really wanted to do this all the time. And I can hear the same song a hundred times and never get bored of it. Like, that's how I know, you know, because that's what it entails. Yeah. You yeah. know, my brother used to play Ice Ice Baby by Vanilla Ice. Like, oh, my gosh. On repeat. And oh, my gosh. Every time I was fine with it. Like, wow. you know, and, you know, so it's just like... The, the repertoire is not only hardcore and punk records. Like, I feel like I've definitely branched out, but I've done, like, bands like Breaking Benjamin, but okay. that was when I was, like, an editor yeah. or, like, an engineer. Mm -hmm. You know, not really, like... Did you work with David Bendeth? I mean, was that... Was yeah, that... yeah. That, I mean, that's when we did the, right. the Candiria... What Doesn't Kill You. What Doesn't Kill You right, record. Right, right, And... How did you... How did that wind up happening? How did you get involved? Oh, so... I mean that's that's Dan Dan Corner, my he's, man. He's great. He he uh, mixed the the latest record. Oh well, yeah. yeah, Dan. Yeah, he's, Dan he's is great. So Dan was, um, I love that man. I love he's, that man. He's, he, he's taught me more than any school or any quote unquote audio teacher or musician has. Mm -hmm. um, just because he's he's not only giving and sharing of information, he is just like naturally just wants to help people in music. You know so. Me and Dan, Dan went to uh, school together, and we were in, like, audio um, 101, like, in, in college together. And I remember, like, looking over and looking at his test, and he, he got 100, you know? And they were like, oh, you got to pick partners for, you know, your lab, you know, lab studio partner, you know? And I was like, this guy. I was like, you want to be partners? He's like, yeah. 
and the next few years, like we would just do studio thing, and we and we record in the studio whenever we can. He recorded my, one of my old bands, um, the Improbability Drive, and we did that in like my house, and you know, and then we started working on this Behind the Sun record together, and then next thing you know, me and him were doing E Town Concrete record together. And uh, we did that in two weeks. We did like 14 songs. They wow. did a body count cover. Wow. Um, nice. And we did that like, we worked around the clock. We did the whole recording, I think, in eight days. And me and him would just trade. We would sleep on the floor of the studio. And then we would trade off, trade off, trade off. And then... We Sounds would... like the making of a great record, you know? Yeah. It was, <laughs> I, I can't, we can't do that anymore. I like, mean, it's We, we did so many records like that, like in the early 2000s, like we were, when we started working at like Mirror Image and, and, and Times Square Studios, like where we were running 16 to 20 hour days. You know what I mean? Yeah. And sure, that's great. But like, I feel now it's like productivity is between eight to 10 hours. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've had yeah. that people will start... They get tired, they start to lose focus, their attention spans are down, like, and I just, it's just bad for me health-wise. Yeah. Like, I just, I can't, I can't pull that off and it, And it's really like, and I mean, look, like you said, when you're doing it, when you can do that stuff, when you can push mm-hmm. yourself that hard, um, and you're younger or whatever, um, yeah, it's great because there's a certain magic that you also capture. There's a certain momentum that you have, and that energy winds up in the record. Mm-hmm. So in that regard... I think that it's a, it's a, it can be a huge plus for a record, mm-hmm. but um, you do you you do you lose steam you 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 can't really focus you're not performing really really well and you're not performing really really well mm-hmm. like as an engineer or a producer, um, so it is important to gauge like I can go this many hours and then I'm done mm-hmm. I'm done you know I, I'm a big believer now in 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 uh, quote unquote the vibe of recording you know vibe of music because it's a creative process. And not only is it creative, but when someone's bringing something like kind of authentic to the, like, to a recording session, like that's theirs, there's usually something very personal about it. So they're already going to be on the defensive about it, you know, like they're about to put something out into the world, share whether it's a riff or it's a lyric. Mm-hmm. And I am not one who likes to um, to yell. I, I don't believe in it. Sure. I don't think I, I, we don't work in a hospital. No right. one's gonna die. Right. That's the reality. At the end, the end of the day, yeah. for me, is that, like, we're here to make music, and that should be an experience that is enjoyable and memorable. Because I think that that's how. That's the whole point. That's, and that's how most musicians remember the record. There could be a hit on the record, but if they had a terrible time, they don't want to have that scenario again. Right. You know. And so, I find that like, what I try and bring to the table is kind of an old school, recording kind of technique. With, you know, the new school advantages. Because I, I grew up in the reel-to-reel, you know, calibrated tape machine world of, you know, maybe punching in multi-track, but you're limited to 24 tracks or 48. And transitioning into... What is that? <laughs> oh, that's outside. I thought it was the computer. No, Crosstalk. For a second, it sounded like the computer was, like, grinding yeah. to a halt. No, it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. fire it up, motherfucker! <laughs> yeah. <But> yeah. Awesome. <laughs> We're over here now. Hey. So, like in in the digital world, like I was there, like in school for the whole transition where it went from like analog to digital, and you know, next thing I know, after I graduate, we're, we're quantizing drums, mm. you know, cutting up records and, and things like that. And some people hate that, and some people say, "Oh, I'll ruin this." And then an auto tune, people yell about auto tune and things yeah. like that. And I get it. 
like even though most people don't even use auto tune anymore because that's just the name of a plugin. For yeah, me, they mainly use like Melodyne. The thing is, is that what are we what are we approaching? What are we trying to do? Right. You know what I mean? So it's like when I look at a, like a band like Sick of It All, like we come in and you know Armand's gonna slam the drums. He's gonna do no matter things. what, and that's it. And yeah. that that's gonna be the song, you know. Right. And then and then you know, Craig you know, brings in Red, which the two main things I feel like about say like bass sounds or player has to do with the player how the instrument you know how the, the player goes on the instrument and yeah. you know I said to to, to Craig when we're going to do like the sick of it all stuff like I need to get the scratch the surface bass sound like I use that as an example in college my professor said what you know what's a good bass sound and I put on dun 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 bong you know what yeah. I mean yeah yeah he kind of gave me some shit about that at the time. He was like, that's not a good bass sound. And I'm like, ah, you know, eh, I expect to differ. But um, he would later call me a few years later when he's in a hardcore band and be like, that bass sounds sick. I'm like, yeah. yes, exactly. Now it's where it, it's right. applicable. Retarded. You know, but um, the main two things about it is that he has that Sans Amp, you know, stomp box from, mm-hmm. you know, and the, the red and the player. The way he plays, he's a very, you know, he bounces with it and... And that that bass, that specific bass, um, the right. word or whatever it is, it has a specific sound. And so the rest is just like my job is to capture it. So, like I'm not kind of like an audio audiophile or an audio geek. I believe everything could be used somewhere. You know what I mean? I agree. But I believe that the main thing when you get into the studio is like people feel uncomfortable about playing. You know, some people come in completely distracted. You know, yeah, yeah. they're thinking about their their wife and their kids or the job or this tour is not going well. It's not it's not getting lined up and they're, they're financially they're getting screwed or, or you know they're in an unsigned band and you know and they're, they're they're worried about how much they have to spend on this you know based on they got to work this much and still pay their bills, you know and yeah, a lot of times they spend you know time being kind of like in a relationship, you yeah. know with these people because that's what you know it is when you're in a band it's like a relationship you know and. So, you know, you're sitting there with, with people and, and they're, they're, they're giving you their art. And so I, I never try and me personally be someone that like, hey, this is what we need to do. We need to write a hit. I'm not one of those. I learned from like awesome producers, you know, and awesome bands that I've worked with who are just like, let's go. I'm going to make this. This is what I envision for this. And that's it. That's all I want to do is I want to make that vision. You know what I mean? Sometimes I need to pull it out of them, oh, you know, but... Like, sometimes I'll add something and be like, here's my creative input, but, um, you know, what, what, do you, what do you have? What do you want to do this time? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Hey, man. <laughs> it's a good one. It uh, is. Speaking of, like, you mentioned before, you were talking about uh, somebody, like, when, they, when you're recording certain artists, they're bringing something very personal mm-hmm. into the room and they're putting that out there and, and vibe is important and I agree 100%. And a really great example of that. I think is the Christina Rubino record that you mm, you, thank you. you helped produce and co-wrote, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, which, what an incredible accomplishment um, from her part, from your part. I think the the teamwork you you guys as a team is just like unbelievable. Thank Unbel- you. I was thank so you. blown away. Like expectation, and I'm so happy I played on the record, and Andrea played on the record, mm-hmm. and sang on the record. Um, I just think it was such a great example of your work and your 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 ability to do stuff like Sick of It All and then do something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, kudos, man. Thank you, thank you. You know what, it's, 
interesting because like I, I've had like the the luck, you know, and, and you know, and, and grace that a lot of the people, like I said, that I listened to growing up, I'm beginning to find myself, you know, working with. You know what I mean? So like you were told 15 year old me that you know you were coming in to work on an album that I'm pl- also playing on. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Bebop from Dead Air. Like, it's, I would be like, get out of here. You know oh, what I mean? That's awesome. Thanks. And, you know, there's a lot of musicians oh, like Bebop. that. Oh, <laughs> Bebop. It's like, there's a lot of, and Christina is one of those people because, like, you know, I would go see her band in the 90s. Yeah. And, I'm not happy. You know, Petticoat. Yeah. Well, yeah. Petticoat, Snapdragon. Snapdragon. And that's so, right. and, uh, you know, she worked with me, you know, back years ago when I was at Fastlane, but, you know, we both were in different places in our lives completely, and, you know, it was kind of like a, I was a roaming disaster at that point, but um, it was fine, you know, it was yeah. like, it was, it was like, but I've, it was like here and there, it was kind of like, oh, this, this is the song, let's record it, but I feel like on this past record, um, we allowed the songs to just take on a, a, like kind of like a growth of their own, a life of their own. An organic. Yeah. We'll use that word. Organic. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, free life We're of their all own. Sorts you know? of fucking <laughs> green in here. Yeah. It, you know, it's it's. <laughs> so Jimmy, the, this record it has, it's almost like kind of like this weird ADD thing where it jumps from different styles. Like okay. it has like bagpipes over here and then like piano over there and then. All like, right. I'm know, not mad at that. Like some like flamenco guitar here or things like that. Okay. And it challenged me to kind of, because I had to play a lot of the instrumentation on it. You know, because she trusted me with it. She's like, okay, here's something. She's like, who can we get? And I'm, she's like, can you do it? And I'm like, okay. So I'm sitting there making music, like recording it and kind of playing it on whether it be guitar or drums or, you know, whatever instrument. And I'm getting paid to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, this is like. It rules. This is amazing. This is exactly, you know, what, you what I want to do. Like I love being part of other people's you know music but it's mainly me directing and you know making sure that we're staying in budget making sure that things are edited or it's the right guitar sound or you know the right drum sound or the mix you know but that was a special experience because then i also got to start calling in because i don't want it to just be all me i want different input like people like matt brown to play guitar and and co-write a song and you know tommy Lombardozzi. And another great talent. Yeah, that Matt guy? Brown Amazing. as well. Tommy's a really good friend of ours. Uh, yeah, he's a singer songwriter. And then Johnny Philippides mm-hmm. come in and play bass on, on the sing- yeah on from Burlap to Cashmere to have him come play. I've always wanted to make that call to him. You know what I mean? Right. But this was finally the song for that. Cool. You know what I mean? And that's about the right place. It's like where the people kind of fit in. Like you know, the last stick of it all. Like the the last song on the record. I had an idea. We were coming up with this part at the end, and uh, Armand was like, what are we going to do for this? And, and I kind of came up with a melody, and then he was like, that's cool, that could work, you know, we'll try it. And I was like, cool. And then, the, you know, the idea kind of sailed through, and it was like, wow, cool. I was like, ah, that's awesome that, you know, he's even open to, you know, suggestion, my, yeah. suggestion, my yeah. idea. And the whole band was like, psyched. And I woke up the next day in the last day of recording, and I was just like, maybe the Bouncing Souls would be great on that. And so, like, I text, I go and went and asked Lou, I was like, what do you think? And he's like, of course. He's like, those are, you know, our buds. And so I just, I knew Pete and Bouncing Souls were in the studio down in Asbury Park. Right. At the Lake House recording their album. So I just texted Pete and he was just like, he's like, yeah, I would love to. Send me the song, you know. And then by that night, I had, like, them doing the backing vocals. Wow, that's awesome. End. And for me, that is awesome. like, I love the Bouncing Souls. Like, they're tattooed on my leg. Like, you know, like, I love Sick of It All. And there was, like, for this 30th anniversary, just... 
kind of an idea. And that's because, you know, it was open to the idea. Yeah. Kind of like the Christina Rubino. And, sure. You know, we were open to the ideas of coming in, you know, and not, not like, oh, I want this. This right. is me. Right. Let the creative process go. Get, get pulling, pulling a bunch of that ego out. Yeah. Which is... Which is I learned now, like, it took me years. I didn't realize how, how much ego um, sort of really led or, or kind of, I don't know, I was kind of hindered by it, I yeah. guess. I guess is a good way to put it. A lot it. of fear. Like, you know, yeah, like, sure. I think, I think I mean, I loved listening to the, when Mina was on, on The Blast Furnace mm-hmm. yeah. because it was, I, I, first off, I think Mina should have her own, like, meditation show. Dude, like, a five-minute meditation daily. Thing, <laughs> Mina just says, hey, you know, like, this is what I think today, you know. She killed it because you guys would get like loud and everything, and then she would just like wrangle the room That's it. Yeah. and talk about like you know what are you putting out there yep. into the world and yeah, like yeah. the energy of like don't let that outside because that's what we, you know a lot of time we go into like the studio I'm like this is forever you know they hit record and this is forever and the, that becomes like like a spotlight on you right. you know like whereas when you're in the, you're, you're when you're rehearsing it you, oh that was great you know yeah and then like. Then you start thinking, you know, oh, we played it so good last week. So you're thinking in the past. And then you start worrying about the future. Well, how's this song going to be received? You know, who's going to like it? Who cares? Yeah, who gives a fuck? Yeah. People's opinions are so subjective. Yeah. Yeah. And they may hate it today. And there's there's records that I hated when I was younger that I love today. How, How many records or even bands itself, like, when you were younger... You're like, oh, this fucking band sucks. Yeah, like, fuck it. And now, like, you revisit something, and it's just like, yo, man, like, what mm-hmm. the fuck was I waiting on? Right, what was right, I missing? Right, right. It shit grows on you. Yeah, listen. It's like me saying, like, the, the thing when I saw the Metallica shirt for the first time. Right. What's this headbanger shit? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I love right. pianos, and I hated guitars, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, you know, I think that, like, you can't escape criticism because it has to do with people's opinions right it has to do you're talking about which music. i really don't care about yeah. yeah music goes into people's lives it's part of their identity it's part of their catharsis it's their escape mm-hmm. you know and when it's really a specific record reaches someone at a specific time in their life that's right and when the person changes the band also changes mm-hmm. sure. so sometimes we're like oh their old thing was this and was that and it's like that's your personal experience with the yeah. band yeah, true sure. you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah like I hear like when someone says oh you know we stopped listening to him after this that's fine mm-hmm. you know what I mean like great enjoy those old records great like yeah <laughs> you're like, still you know supporting what I mean? the band like I loved like I love you know Life of Agony's River Runs Red because of the age and the and point the I was frame. in my sure, life time and place where man. I was looking and then you know what I mean and then I I and then I, I grew up. I, I listened to it, and I, I'm amazed by it. Yeah. But I don't expect that ever again. Yeah. Like, no, you know, of course not. Like I, I saw someone like do that to, against me, like on, on a post. And this yeah. is where I fight to not fight with people. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like, it's like, oh, everything passed. You know, reinventing Axl Rose is this. It's like, they were different people then. It was a uh-huh. different era. They recorded yeah. the album in a day. Like, why would you expect the same thing? Right. Are you the same person? You're not. Right. Right. Yeah. No, yeah. of you course know? not. Yeah. So. Yep. It would be pretty bugged out, like if you listen to the first ever Life of Agony demo, with like no sympathy oh, and di- so do I. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. it's bro, it's a full length record. Yeah, and then that came out in like what eighty nine. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to the fucking record that came out in two thousand what sixteen, mm-hmm. seventeen mm-hmm. early yes early last year. It was last year. Yeah, it was April. I believe. It's two it different release. bands. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, you but, can't. It's like Vinny Stigma always said. It's like. 
people say, oh, you know, uh, this album doesn't sound like one voice. And they go fucking listen to one voice again. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> it's right. like you, you want one voice? Listen to fucking one voice. Mm-hmm. Every album sounds different. That's what also what I love about Sick of It All. It's like you listen to their fucking, from their seven inch, every single record has a different sound to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it's all hardcore shit. Yeah. But there's a different sound to everything. And that's the thing. We were talking to Lou about that. We were discussing how important production is. Because, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that we were pointing out was like, you know, you could write these amazing songs. Right? You can ha- and you, this, this song is going to be the best one on the album. But if the production and the mix isn't right, it'll ruin Your it. Your scream went to sleep. That's <laughs> okay. Uh, I just got nervous. Let's just scream. No, we're good. We're good, guys. Don't worry. You sure? Yeah, it's still going. Check it. It's still going. Check it. No, we're good. I want to see things on the screen. Break. Man, this there isn't going to go to shit. Oh, it's, it's recorded. There it is. Oh, a little moment of... <laughs> right, let me eat a fucking cookie. Let me right? eat, you eat a fucking ass cookie. That was a beautiful, that was a beautiful experience. Because you know what? I should have just left it because I know my computer. No, can... The screen goes black, but it's set to do that after an hour. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but listen, I get nervous. So now I hit stop. So this, yeah, this is a perfect example. So this is my daily... This, oh, you like that? You like that? Like a good cookie. It's a good kicker. Right? Uh, yeah. It's a good yes. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> basically, that's, that's I think, my biggest challenge of the day is, you know, two guys, with, like, what just happened, uh, uh, for the viewers at home and listeners, I should say, um, you know, the screen went dead, so, you know, he's like, hit it, you know, it's, uh, turn it back on, you hit, you hit a button, and then it stopped recording. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one guy's like, don't worry. And the other guy's like, ah, you know what I mean? Like, right. just, and I'm like, hey, double know. check over there, guy. And, you know, you got a, a band dynamic where people are, you know, in the van with each other all the time. You know, they're, they're, they're booking shows. They're, they're writing together. They're doing all these things. And they're, they're so right, involved, you know what I mean, right. that easily any little thing could escalate into a big thing. Right. You know? sure. And I feel like my job is part therapist. Yeah, I thought John was about to punch parent, me in my face. Part girlfriend. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes I got to be, you know, I got to be their encouragement. I got to be their, um, I got to be the, you know, I got to listen. Voice sometimes. of reason. You know, I got to sure. voice of reason. That's I gotta, me. You know, I have to tell everyone to kind of relax. Relax the world in. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, I love that dice reference, by the way. Um, you know, but it's like in the studio, there's always going to be a problem. Mm. I like to call it like, what's the problem today? Because mm-hmm. I run into a different one of time. And it's never really the same reoccurring problem because usually it's fixed. Mm-hmm. It's always something new. New operating system, new wire, something's dirty. Something, you know, there's a neck is out of, you know, the intonation's off. There's a buzz on a fret. Uh, we broke this skin or whatever it is. You know what I mean? And people sometimes freak out and it could completely kill the vibe. And I had to keep that. Because one, if that keep goes downhill, yeah, because we're still, you know, I like to work on budgets, you know, I don't like yeah, to work sure. under the gun of worrying about money. I like to have that oh, worked out yeah. on the side and then just let's create, let's create, you know right. what I mean? And that definitely affects me financially because I definitely spent a lot of time over what I should, but I'm not in this, you know, for money. I'm in this to make music with people and... And pay a couple of bills in the process. You know, that's that's, that's, that's an added bonus to when you do it for long enough. Gotcha. I feel like you do well enough. I haven't had to look for work in 15 years. That's a beautiful beautiful. thing. Like, people, like, come to me and, like, I don't, like, chase bands or seek them out. Like, people come to me like, hey, I liked what you did on this. Right. You know, so this person vouched for you and everything. Okay, let's do it. Like, you know, what do you want to do? You know, and every project's different. It's like a private contractor. 
Sure. You know, someone comes in, they go, hey, I like this room. I want to do this, this, and that. And, you know, I want to add this. And, okay, this will take that long and maybe cost about that much. Uh, you know, what if we did this, you know. And and you work you know, shit out. You work it out. You right. know what I mean? And as long as people show up and, and they're prepared. Right. You know, being prepared is like a huge, Forget huge idea. You got to be prepared for class. You know, because, yeah, it's like, if I'm going to play drums, like, for hours, I got to. I gotta be physically ready because yeah. I may in my mind be ready to play it all I know the songs, but it's have come hit the three hour, five hour, six hour mark. Oh, I'm I'm losing gas, you yeah. know, and you gotta be ready for that. And so that's one of the things I love about like the sick of it all guys, like and and the mad ball guys and and like they just energy, yeah, then energy. energy, and they bring the same thing they did to the live show to the recording Dude. situation. Yeah, Mad I'm Ball, sure. Madball is one of the most energetic, Ooh. incredible bands. Freddie is fucking. Freddie is unbelievable. It's I mean, Freddie. Yo, it's let me tell Freddie you, Freddie fucking. Because Hoya, greatest guy ever. He's not doing youth crew jumps. No, but he has a <laughs> like different Pete. kind of energy. His music. Oh, absolutely. Oh no, dude, the music his fucking is bass energetic. is ridiculous yeah. too. Mm-hmm. The t- the, the tight aspect of knowing what you do and knowing what you're playing and the confidence that comes behind it. Like, yeah. that's other things. Like, I, I go into the studio, whether it's someone it's their first time in the studio or they've been a hundred times mm-hmm. in the studio. You know, a lot of times you walk in, it's new to you. And now you're going to record it. And you're right. like, you know, you know, uh, I don't know how this is going to be, you know. And my job is to build the confidence. Like, yeah. you know, I don't use negative things like you suck or why mm. like it does nothing but it's counterproductive recording i'm like right. good True. everyone makes fun of me i should, they say i should get a tattoo in my arms good do it again yeah you know <laughs> great all right cool that was not you know and i i build i try and build on that and try and keep a a, a we element to it like mm. we're doing this together it's not you versus me you know like wow that was good i like that kind of theme keep that but let's Let's go go a little more, you know, into what you normally do here. You know what I mean? Like right. and and kind of build on the creative and build up the confidence mm-hmm. where the person is just like they come in the room and like that was it and like right. yeah that was it you know and you right. you play it back because yep the things that make me cringe from older recordings are the things where I didn't have the confidence enough to tell the artist really what they should hear. Like I should have been like even my mixes like there's mixes I go oh like like. You know, I knew it, you know, I, I like, it has to speak for itself when I'm not there to speak for it. Ah. You gotcha. know what I mean? Confucius. Yeah. You know, see, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> so some, very, very cool. Exactly. Very cool so some people, you know, may not like a record I do. You may not like the band at all. You may mm. not even like the mixing, but it was all completely intentional at this right. point. Like the past, I feel like the past six, seven years of my work, it's very intentional, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, to, to get kind of like, um feedback from the band afterwards like when I see like Mitz at like Warp Tour and he's like comes up to me and he puts his hand to me he's you killed the mix mm-hmm. he's like that was great like and I was like awesome mm-hmm. you know yeah. it's like you know the band you know the sound I'm like yeah listen to it 20 fucking years yeah, yeah. but now it's the execution and having the confidence to get behind it you know and not right. everyone's gonna love everything you do right you may go to a band and say like here this is what I got and they're like that's not what we envision it's mm-hmm. not to be taken personally it's just they say oh maybe they liked your recording but they weren't into the mix so maybe right. you know they they. I even tell a band like hey look like you keep up with your you know whatever the payment issue is like that you leave with your album and you can take it away at any time if it's not working mm-hmm. for you like if you think like this is not a good fit 
it, this is your music, not mine. You know, at the end of the day, it's your name on it. Right. Mine's just an added credit. Mm-hmm. You know, right. so like, and you know, I've had you know people be like, you know, we're not gonna finish this, mm-hmm. and then come back years later and be like, can we have those files? We're gonna finish it. Right. Yeah. Do what you want to do with it. You know what I mean? Right. It's not. You know, I try not to make it. You know, anything in this music world like kind of personal. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. But I digress. Hey, hey, uh, let's <laughs> let, let's switch it up because I want to talk to you about. We um, still recording? Yeah, we're good. Yeah. I want to talk to you about. Um, you've been booking shows in Coney Island for how long now? Oh my God, way too long. I feel like. <laughs> I mean, seriously, when did you start booking shows down there? Uh, you Where, know, down, down Where, here, down here in Coney Island. Uh, um, what was was the name it of the used, place? It used to be called Peggy O'Neill's. Now it's um, Steeplechase Beer Garden. That's right. That's right. And um, I've I've done a few different. Um, venues, mm-hmm. um, mainly out of necessity rather than, um, really a desire to be a live sound guy. I, I don't like live sound. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, I have friends who love it and live for it. I, th- that is a scenario that is completely different from the studio. That is whatever's broken need to be fixed yesterday. Right. You know, and yeah. it's like, it's very much the, the performance and the timing is on you as, as you know, the yeah. audio guy or whatever stage hands or whatever you're doing in the live. I don't like that kind of pressure. I, I, I don't, I don't. So what do you actually do? You actually just like book bands or you do sound? I, I do like, I mean, I have a very minimal setup for my, my sound thing, but basically I know so many unsigned bands. Like I can go on and on about like bands I've worked with on labels and like different experiences in studios and everything like that. But Majority of my work has always been with unsigned artists. Sure, sure. Because um, I believe that you know it's just as important because you Absolutely. know you know someone has something they want to get out there. Like I don't care what the you know the budget is. Let's make it happen in some way. You know, right. let's be realistic about it. But you know, I know end up knowing so many bands. Yeah. You know, because of that, in like the tri-state area to to you know California down to all the way to Florida. And sometimes even Canada, and um, sometimes they'll come through on a tour, and they'll be like, "You have a date," and so I'll set up a show for that. Or there'll be, you know, like five bands, and they're like, "There's nowhere left to play," and I'll be like, "Okay, well, I'm gonna put together a show. You guys are kind of like-minded, you know. I don't like to put like a lot of the same bands together. Um, I True. like to try and mix it up, really mix it up, yeah, because the eclectic, to. you know, it's 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 a different music world in New York, you know now, but." Um, I, I keep all my shows free and I make sure that majority of the bands get a little something. You know what I mean? Because I understand as being someone who deals with budgets with bands and having been in bands You have to myself, work that out with the venue. Not yeah, myself. of course. Yeah. And, and, ev- and, 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 and every venue, whenever they see a, a great scenario, you know, they're a business. Sure. In business to make money. They always say like, well, what if we do this? And, you know, what if we charge this? And then I go, then we're good. We're done. Right. Because I understand that, like, say, there's places where you have to sell tickets and you have a certain amount of union workers to pay who are doing sound. And then there's, like, you know, venues that are bars and, and restaurants and things like that, have cabaret licenses. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're selling alcohol. And, you know, when you sell alcohol, you know, basically you have a staff that is selling a marked up, you know, product. Sure. So. Yeah. My, my, my personal thing is is that the entertainers are part of your staff. You know what I mean? So 
you're going to bring in people, your, your, your focus is to bring them in to drink, mm-hmm. right? Or True. eat. Yes. Right? Yeah. That's really where And that's where, where you make your money. And right. that's where you should pay out, just like in the early 1900s. That's how we paid musicians before yeah. the recording industry. Yeah. And now, post a lot of the recording industry. You know, it's get them out to the venue as best you can and, you know, get them there. And so... I feel like when you have a, a cover a lot of time, that's the immediate thing that immediately people go like, oh, well, I got to pay that. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah. And, and, and also, it, 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 it makes it a little bit reluctant to go to the bar to spend the money at the food, too. Like, mm-hmm. they already took, you know, like 10 bucks a night. Yeah, like, sure. You know yeah. what I mean? And I understand you have to pay bands. You have bands that I don't deal with guarantees, I don't deal right. with, you know, bigger acts like that. I, you know, I, I, if I promise something, something, I'm going to. Give fulfill that sure. but I mean just like my studio work majority of it is like a handshake same here right? oh like you know almost I mean? 30 shows that I that I booked there was there was one two there was like th- three bands mm-hmm. that wanted a guarantee and they well deserved the guarantee yeah, because exactly. they were around for and, X amount of years right. and the reason why I gave them the guarantee is because I know that they could bring the people in exactly to do whatever exactly so, so I don't deal with guarantees either so I basically do these kind of shows in a like kind of seasonal way because like I have friends who owns bars and you know and things like that and they're like hey can you bring a show you know and like they'll be like a good show you mm-hmm. know it'll be a good turnout and they'll be like can you do this every week and I go no first off this isn't my main thing right. I was like you know to, to have a, a weekly thing that you do is so much work and to get people to come out in, and it's just it's just not a world it's a whole nother job description right. sure, you know what yeah. I mean sure yeah. so like for me, I do like an occasional show outside for free. Yeah, people think know. it's easy. People yeah. people think booking shows on a consistent basis. And it's more an dealing thing. with bands. I'll yeah, be sure. honest, yeah. Like I already deal with bands in the studio. People right. are like, you know, people are like, hey, you know, Jerry, why don't you have kids? I'm like, I got my bands. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my little fucking redheaded stepchildren. You know, so and you know, and bastards. I I anticipate late cancellations now. Sure. I anticipate you know people showing up without gear. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I anticipate you know. Um, this guy forgot he has work and he's not going to be yeah, here. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, so whatever. To me, it's it's the shows are mainly about kind of keeping music in at least South Brooklyn because mm-hmm. the other side doesn't really need my right. help. Right, you know right, what right. I mean? And South Brooklyn kind of alive and for people to go to and say like, we're still doing stuff. Right. Whether they're bands are coming from Staten Island, Jersey, South Carolina, mm-hmm. you right. know, whatever, or just from Mill Basin. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't yeah. matter. As long as, you know, there's a venue for people to get on a stage and perform. Right. You know? And it's important, man. And I, every time I see, I'm like, oh, shit, there's another show going on. Mm. Hell yeah, this is great. And uh, it's great. It really is great what you do because you're right. This is an underserviced um, part of, you know, New York, mm-hmm. honestly, at this point, which is really strange because going back to the 80s and even in the 90s, Lamore was such a major part of our, our music. Oh, scene. I grew up in Lamore. I mean, I mean yeah, that's it. I grew up in it. And, and you, My first you, ever show. Yeah. When yeah. you think about it, that was like when you thought of like what neighborhood you went to to mm. see metal or rock, you went to Bensonhurst. Yeah. You went, you came down here. I know. Now it's like, no, you don't come when, anywhere. When you, you bought a live video, it was, yeah. you know, Metallica and, you know, Brooklyn Lamore. Yeah. And that was, that was like the St. Vitus or the Seabees of yeah. that time. Well, not the Seabees, I won't say that, but like the St. Vi- Vitus, now you have everything. No, I could say Lamore's was our Seabees. Yeah. It, it was, it was our CBGBs. Absolutely. Right. You know, the interesting thing is that you, no, it's not that crazy we bring up Lamore since we all kind of grew up in it but yeah. the, the reality is is that like when I do shows that like 
are free. I tr I try and do more than bands at this point. Like I try and do an occasional mixing of something. I try and do a comedy show mixed with it. I try and do an art show with like say this guy's from the CCD. That's right. You know? did. That's right. There's one of the shows I saw, but actually you got rained out. Yeah. Remember? So it was a really great show. Though. That's one thing about had, outdoor had, shows. Is, you had comedians, um, you had the art. Yeah. We, we can nice. move it inside. Everyone goes, what are you going to do? I'm like, don't change your plans for the weather because the weather ain't changing its plans for you. Yeah. That worst case scenario, will move inside. Of course, it affects draw, but you know, mm -hmm. the reality, it's Coney Island. People want to be outside. They want to be in the sun. Of they want to experience that. But, sure. um, you know, when I try and put in like art shows, right? I try and put in, you know, someone showcasing their new clothing line or their um like bagel from decision had the bagel q sauce so you know it try and add a little other things because i i want to see since it's coney island it's more of an outdoor experience i, yeah, I want to sure. add things kind of like the experience i had when dead air played lemores mm -hmm. um when the last i think last show i saw dead air at lemores when you guys had the the neon mm -hmm. color yeah. the dancers mm -hmm. And everything was like just tripped out thing. And I was just sitting there. I was like, this is more than... It's kind of like a Guar show. A Guar <laughs> show is more than a musical performance. Yeah. It's an experience and a complete immersive artistic thing. Yeah. Artsy Johnny. Yeah, well, you know, Johnny. I mean, look, it wasn't just me. But I mean, we were we were drawing big, big crowds at Lemoore. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had, you know, Mike's, Samantha... Uh, who we've had on the show. She's now a stunt yes, woman, but she I heard was. Samantha heard, MacGyver. Samantha MacGyver, uh, yeah. who was a dancer, and she knew all these dancer friends. So we used to go see them perform, and uh, next thing you know, um, you know, I love black light paint. I don't know why I'm obsessed with it, still now. Mm -hmm. um, we just thought, let's build some weird little stages for them to dance in, and we'll perform, and they'll do this and that. And it just turned out to be a really cool experience. And yeah. it was, people liked it. Yeah, so. exactly. It's very, you know, memorable. I mean, yeah. it's up there with, you know, some things I've seen, like, Carnivore. Wow. Reunion at Thank you. That's a great when they throw, you know, throw meat on the crowd. You know, it's, it's up there. To like the know, opposite spect on the spectrum. Yeah. I know. yeah. I, oh, and Guar played the Moors. Oh, man. It was, it was, I was so happy. I got I eaten by the maggot. Guar. I didn't see oh my God. I got to give Slamencia Hyman a kiss mm -hmm. on the cheek that mm -hmm. night. You know, they all signed my shirt. This executioner wrote, thanks for the blowjob, kid. Yeah. And I still got that shirt in my workroom. Like, all, all of them signed it. Odorous so signed crazy. it. All of them, you know. We were just on, we were on Warp Tour with them. And you oh, know yeah. what? That I, I hung out with the Guar crew pretty much every night after. Because mm. they would cook. They mm -hmm. would just cook. They would sit around and cook. And it was us and the CKY guys. And it was just a nice place to chill. And Shout out it. to Chad. It was very different than what everybody else had going on. A lot of people were doing, like, partying and everything like that. Those guys were just chilling out. Yeah. smoking a cigar and just relaxing listening to music making some barbecue that's the most amazing thing about like Warp Tour this year for me first mm -hmm. I know there's like gonna be quote unquote one last one but this one was great because I've been to so many in the past I've been to the 10th anniversary up in Boston you know and like I've had like you know friends bands play but this this year was like a multitude of not only bands that I like loved growing up with but now bands that I'm loved and I'm friends with yes. and bands I'm loved and we're friends with and now I've worked with. Yeah. So like people on like, like I recently did a little bit of writing with Chad from CKY and, you know, we're trying to work on a project. Um, and sick of it all was playing. And I just did that 30th, you know, anniversary album with them, produced and engineered it, Nova and, um, and Amur played and I'd done work with Frankie Amur and, like you guys played and Candiria played and you know I've worked on a Candiria record I've gotten to sit there and and edit and engineer it you know 
And like Guar is a band that I haven't worked with Guar, but that's that's you know that's that first band that you know that yeah blew me away right. And it just was amazing to kind of walk around and kind of look at the the age groups. Yeah, the age groups. You know, um, from people who were you know I I literally would see some dudes who were like you know in their early forties dancing and kicking a kid who's definitely 15, 16 years old. <laughs> and there was nothing weird about it. Everyone yeah. was just like, yeah, his song is nuts. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And granted, you know, we don't know how the scenario of Warped Tour is. It's very, very broken up. Oh, and, yeah. and, and, and it's, it's, you know, it's crazy. And everyone's um, fighting kind of for the same crowd. Yep. You know yeah. what I mean? Yep. But it's very reflective of, I think, the, the music industry, quote unquote, industry mm-hmm. as it is today. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I agree. It's very, very competitive out there. It is. And and it's not about vying for your dollar anymore. It's about vying for your like and your comments mm-hmm. and your interaction. And then maybe a dollar. Maybe. Which, which makes sense in a way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what, what blows my mind about, like, how, you know, how different it is, is really it's not that different. It's kind of the same as it was in the early 1900s. Mm. And it's just kind of like, like I heard like when like Mina was on the show and uh, and Lou like and they talked about you know going on tour and like the different venues and a lot there's a lot of saturation of bands on tour now because that's how you live. Yeah, it's you know how you make your money now. It's the only way. You know, my buddy like Randy from like Lamb of God, he literally like he would say, "I'm a glorified T-shirt salesman." Mm-hmm. At times, you know what I mean? Because yeah. you making you, you like, worked on what. You worked, you worked uh, on a Lamb of God record. Yes, I did. You know, different uh, drum editing. And I got to work on Philadelphia. We right, seen the, the DVD. Um, I worked on a few of the records, like doing stuff with Corn F and Machine when it came to like um, quantizing drum samples and you know engineering and stuff like that. But Philadelphia um, was blessed because I got to take like the different sections of songs and like choose like favorite sections of the two nights and right. make kind of it was it was an incredible experience because I love that band. But um, but yeah, anyway, so these bands, they're on tour because now this is how we make a living, right? It's yeah. how we make a living because we don't quote unquote buying music anymore. And I think that that's kind of a natural progression. Um, it's, it's an unfortunate and a strange one to some of us because, but the music industry is only like, what? When, when, when did really, when did the albums really start? In the 40s? You know what I mean? Big band when we're talking about, they were worried about it when, you know, music first started coming about like, Oh, we're not going to sell pianos anymore. We're not going to sell sheet music because people are making their records. They're going to steal my music. There was mm-hmm. a paranoia there, right? You know, and the, and then you know, rock and roll came along, and then Frank Sinatra is like suing, you know, rock and roll bands because they're gonna, you know, they're dumbing down and they're they're changing the format and they're selling little seven inch vinyls, mm-hmm. and then you go to moving on to the next era, and you know. You know, Frank Zappa said, you know, like we were better hands when it was the, the. The cigar smoking, yep. you know, guys who didn't know anything about music, right. and then A and came in, and yep. they said A and ruined it, mm-hmm. and, and I was paying, you know, twenty five dollars for a CD that has six songs on it, and yep. that's ruining it. And then there's downloading, all illegal downloading, and that's ruining it. And really, when you look at it, the whole quote unquote make people making money off music is like 70, 80 years old, which yeah. is infancy compared to how long music's been around. Sure, uh-huh. you know what mm-hmm. I mean. It's been mainly. Oh, I'm, I'm a music. I'm a performer. Right. Like. You know, you were put to death when you, like, made music that was, you know, um, 
minor in the early, you know, Catholic, you know, religion where they would, you know, hire you to write music for church. Right. If you made it even slightly evil sounding, you would be killed. Yeah. You know what I mean? And now it's like, it's like the early 1900s where people are sitting around trying to perform for a live audience rather than making it off of, you know, the, the album sales. Right. You but know. we're still making records. And it's unfortunate because so much work and so much passion goes into making records. And, I mean, so many amazing records came out in 2017. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. The Emily Haynes um, and the Soft Skeleton record, Choir of the Mind, it's very... It's eclectic, Jimmy. It sounds. It sounds. sounds it's very eclectic, Jimmy. Busy or something. Uh, it's really amazing. Busy. Emily yeah, Haynes. Yeah. Sounds like it'd be all over the place. From Metric is, is such a talented, incredible artist, and this record is phenomenal. It's so phenomenal. Every song on it is just brilliant. Is it? It's brilliant. Okay. It's brilliant. Um, but uh, there's so many. Um, Fever Ray just put out a new record, which is fucking incredible but it's not even on my radar man because there's so many records yeah. that came out in 2017 it's insane well here's the beauty of that okay so we were very annoyed say in, in, let's stick to our punk rock hardcore ethics and say like there was a lot of things that I, I hated being forced upon me right. by large record labels back right. in the day sure. right because they had interest of quote unquote making money you know what I mean um I, don't, I know that my records could sound better than a lot of old records in their own right, maybe not in an analog way, but in their own right, they have a loudness and a quality to them, and the budgets are a fraction of what they were. But a lot of it went back to a lot of the stardom and the lifestyle that went with the musician then. You know, hotel rooms, you know, drugs, partying, whatever. It, it all was encompassed in that kind of budget along with the recording, and people had to make their money. And, you know, but so at the end of the day, like that, that, that label, they wanted to put it out there. You know, they wanted to saturate sure. that that whatever band they chose, whatever song they chose, and you know, and and that was the quote unquote machine of it. Yep. And that machine has very much been broken down. So a lot of those people have kind of slipped out of the world because there there's not really that much money to be made in it, mm -hmm. and it's opened it up because of how easy it is to make your own videos, post your own music. You now have the same amount of people as an audience, but like a thousandth of the more content. Yeah. You yeah. have anyone, you know, there used to be, you know, someone to say, oh, I got this idea for a song, Jerry. You know, you know, you know Joe the Plumber down the block, Jerry, I got an idea for a song. Like, that's great. And, you know, now he can literally go on his phone, open up GarageBand, start hitting it till it sounds kind of like what he thinks, videotape himself, you know, singing along to it, and he posts it. That's yep. it. You know what I mean? Yep. So, and now you're actually competing with that because it's, it's out there. Right. Right. You know, it's, it's way, just because it's things out are there. Being done. So many people are just making these yeah. crappy little YouTube videos or whatever. And yeah, it's true, man. It's really, it's really a different time. It's but not, I have it's buddies who, who have sang in bands that have never like, you know, the band say, my buddy Igor, he, he, he has a channel called Try Hard Ninja. And, uh, he was singing in a band called Gravesend here, you know, and, you know, we tried to do that band for a bit, and I, it was one of the first bands I produced, first music video, Frankie shot, um, and how we met and everything, and to do, end up doing Nova Studio, and he ended up making a, his own YouTube channel about, like, video games, and songs about them, kind of like, and then it turned into an actual career. He now lives off his YouTube channel, mm. and 
has an entire fan base and you know yeah. he, he lives off it he, he charts on billboard with these things and that's a completely different world but it's very alien to you know musicians who are used to a lot of the older um, things and, and that was the, the, the crazy thing about I think a lot of the labels yeah they were used to the old model the model yeah and, and that's the thing it's like even I mean you know Candiria's been around now over 20 years and uh, we, you know, I mean, it's tough for us because we, we love the old model. Like, even when we had the machine that, that, like, put out music like Poison and Warrant and all of this stuff. And, you know, we would sit there and be like, man, this is, you know, whatever. Not in, we weren't into it. It wasn't garbage, but we, we felt like... Come oh. on, I'm a mark for fucking Way Cool Jr. Hey, man, Way Cool Jr. wasn't, wasn't that bad. Come on, new kid <laughs> in town. I got fancy clothes. <laughs> But uh, the point is, at least there was, in, in our minds, when things changed, we were like, well, at least there was the machine to hate. Well, like, that's there, the was a mo- there was something yeah. that you could aim toward. Now that, it's yeah. just like, man, what am I, what am I working toward? You know? That's the amazing thing, but I think that's the liberating aspect of it, is, is now it's about what is your content actually saying? Like, right. I get it. Like, there are certain things that I only heard because everyone else was listening to it. That's it. It's the bottom line. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, but there were things I discovered. And, you know, and I wanted to share with other people. And I discovered them, quote unquote, because they spoke to me. Right. In a way. You know what I mean? And it was, it was special. Maybe no one else even ever really liked them. Mm-hmm. You know? But it didn't matter. It, it spoke to me. And I think that now is a lot more... Um, is a lot more creative freedom. Because we're not used to... We don't need, quote unquote, choruses. We don't need an album to be a certain length. Right. Right. You, I could have an album that goes for two days, literally, and mm-hmm. post it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, but it's a matter of, am I going to keep someone's attention span? And people say people's attention spans suck. Mm-hmm. They you know do. What I mean? They do. But they've always sucked, in my opinion. I think it's worse now. Like, no, I think, I think it's, it's just changed. It's changed in a way. I love, like, when, when you guys talk about the podcast about people taking out their phones. I sometimes take my phone out in a room. Just lift it just to watch everyone take their phone out. I put it right away. Mm-hmm. I just right. take it out. I turn on the screen. I put it away and I just watch the room. It's hysterical to yeah. me. Because it, it is like something like, a you know, whether it be your business or your interactions with people who aren't in the who aren't there with you, you're alone. It's, it's amazing to see that the cues, the social cues. And you know what? Like a lot of the songs we grew up on, like they were the songs because of the repetition that they were played in our oh lives. They were played and they were played and they were played. Spoon-fed, man. Spoon-fed. Yeah. Conditioned. You know yeah, we were conditioned. And, and nice. I like that. You like, I like that? that? See? Nice one, Jimmy. Thank and, you. And, oh, my God. So, like, think about, like, how much harder it is now for a musician to bear something and have the world really pick up on it. Right. It's yeah. like, you know, I mean, I, my one of my favorite... Uh, I was listening to last night, um, Julian Baker. Oh. She, she, yeah. I don't know what you, that is. You always uh, speak about her. And then I saw a video. I was like, hey, man. I, I don't know it. who that now is. Now I get it. Julian Baker. She's like from Memphis, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Punk rock. And now she's doing this solo thing. And she did this first solo record. And now this is the second one. It's on like Matador or something. But um, there's an authenticity to her music that she can stand there and just play. And uh, you're kind of mesmerized by it. If you like that kind of style, of, you know, obviously it's always about some sort of taste. Yeah. But it's it's a bearing type of um, art that she has that she did not plan initially 
say like, oh, what are people going to think? She's just like, I'm going to make my solo record, and this is what it's going to be. And it's not even quote unquote solo record. It's gonna, uh, this is the music that has to come out of me at this right. point in my life. And I've, it connects with people, and it's connecting with the people. And she has a voice, and she has a great writing style. And um, the first song I heard, I had heard personally was Appointments, and I saw the video, and there's like, like the no she's cor- in the field, and like yeah, the and like, like there's no chorus, mm-hmm. there's no chorus, there's. There's just these these soundscapes in this, and like, it has a huge appeal for more than just the underground. It's coming out of underground into the, you okay. know, into and I think that that is needed. Yeah. You know, if you're gonna be because it's different. Yeah, and if you're gonna hit people with like the short attention span, you have to just be in and out, more brutal, faster, yeah. harder. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. But then, but then again, like you say, faster, brutal. It's like nowadays, done deal. Oh, well, they're in a, they're, they're in a different fucking league, bro. <laughs> but it's just like there's so many bands nowadays. Yeah. It's like you could you could put ten different songs on by ten different bands. You won't be able to decipher who the fuck is who. Yeah. Oh, I all. think that's what's what's good. That that's everyone's just trying to just be. Harder than the next, and with yeah. your lyrics of oh, how you hate everything, and you're, you're a fucking backstabber. It's or like, or right, they're taking I'm... it a step back, and they're going back to thrash and mm. like oh, classic thrash metal. It's like really running out of shit. <laughs> you're running out of shit. To me, there's there's two things that made that. Um, and listen, that if you like it, it and if you like it, you like it. Yeah, Have course, at it. I mean, I'm not knocking it. Just, a lot of it's just not my bag. Yeah, but that's the thing. Is it's it, the amazing thing is is that it's different people expressing their own, sure. You know what I mean? Their own take on it. You know, all of music throughout history is just basically a, someone taking different influences and building them kind of together with their own take on it, right? right? Their own right. performance, sure. You know, kind of meshing things. You know what I mean? Like we all like you know the different influences that say happen to the Bad Brains, and then what they call their influences, and mm. you know what we assume the influences and what they actually listen to, and then you know, and then you have you know, artists who, you know, who are finding themselves, you know what I mean? And who are like saying, this is my voice. This is who I am. Or that wasn't really us. You know, there's something that later admitted and like we were trying something and, you know, I was really into this at the time or whatever right. it is. That, that's, I think that, that that goes pretty much with everybody. But I think, but to I a think certain degree, once again, I think that that's still a new development in, in the musical world prior to, and I, I will put the, the defining moment as kind of like Kurt Cobain. Like, prior to that, musicians, especially in the 80s, were on a different level of like, you were godlike. Oh, you know yeah. I mean? Even yeah. if you were like, even if you were as attainable as like the Ramones, the Ramones played at speeds I can't even play like ever in my life at one point. You know what yeah. I mean? But these, these, that was all broken down when someone kind of was able to come in and literally write a guitar thing that went near near and yeah. like anyone I knew could pick up a guitar and play that two note riff mm-hmm. on the open E string and like they were like ah, I'm Kurt Cobain I'm in Nirvana like right. Right. so it inspired a bunch of people to come out of the I can't play like that to I can play in a garage rock band and then you have something like years 20 years later that's like Guitar Hero right, right. and that further pulled down the you know, godlike surrounding thing. Yeah. I made it more attainable. Oh, I, I play guitar. Right. And it's like, oh, yeah, you play guitar? Yeah, I play that on Guitar Hero. I was like, <laughs> oh, you know. And that pissed musicians off, sure, but yeah. at the same time, it's once again, it made it more attainable yeah. for a lot of... So I feel like 
course there's going to be like more bands and musicians like I can't stand this shit man I really can't there's a new thing that uh, there's this new thing that like you attach it to your guitar bridge <laughs> and you just hit a chord you saw the sponsored Facebook thing too oh my god you, you hit you a chord you said that on the last podcast you just hit a chord you start playing and it's just like an entire band behind you performing like yeah, bass based on the key you can play country thing. and there's a country band behind you you can I mean <clears throat> you can play a punk riff and there's like punk music behind you it's just I don't know where this is headed, man. Well, here's, here's it's headed to a bunch of shit. It's headed to a bunch of shit. It's headed to a bunch of shit that sounds like everything else. And, and yes that's and the no, issue. because here's here's the thing. Like I said before, like Frank Sinatra, like Frank Sinatra, so rock and roll is is shit. He said it was going to ruin music. You know, it was ruining big bands, and it did. You know, and like big bands went away, and it became you know the the four piece rock band, and the Beatles came along, and people were like this is terrible. And then you know the Beatles are looked back way differently now than they were at the time. Beatles are awesome. You know, and then Beatles took four tracks, so now you're going from like one track recording, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're a whole big band, you have to know your party. You're fired, yeah. right? Forty piece band, and then here come the Beatles and say like you know what? Let's take that four track and let's link it up to another four track. Mm-hmm. Let's sync them. And with eight tracks, and people are like, you can't do that live. You can't do that live. What are you doing on your record? Right, yeah. And then you have that, right? And so then people are like, you're ruining music. Then you stop punching in. And then you're ruining music. You know what I mean? And then you start. Then and it comes editing, to the DJing files and, and Pro Tools. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then you know, people say, and then you're quantizing, and that's ruining, and the auto tune, and that's ruining music, and, and everything. But they're all just kind of tools. Mm. And if, sure, at the time when they're overused, they can feel like they're ruining, but. Right. They kind of find their place. Like I remember, like in one of the the shows, Drew Stone mentioned his his son, like how knowing what he meant by what a DJ has evolved into, rather than what he initially thought, and like, you know, there's plenty of things about digital realm that makes more work for me, yeah, and less work on the artist. Mm-hmm. You know, that I feel like sometimes I'm like, what am I doing this? Am I even making music right here? Or, right. But it's a matter of where am I using it. You know, am I relying too heavily on something or am I using it as a tool, creative tool, you know, when making this quote unquote vision or this piece of art or am I just trying to churn out stuff? You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I mean, there's so many things that like, it's easy, it's more accessible, more cost effective to buy Easy Drummer and, you know, have drums, program as a person who plays drums myself, than buying a drum set. And yeah. then miking it up. And, and then buying the mics and going to studio time. Yeah. Like, I get it. I get it. But if you still want to be that kind of organic drummer, that's what you're going to do. And that's what you're going to perform. And that will shrink that down. But the digital world, it's like techno. It's like, you know, in, yeah. in new wave. Like, mm-hmm. the organic musicians hated it. They were like, but then later on in their careers, they started incorporating it yeah, into sure. their music. Yeah. It's really, really, for me, it's like when it, when it makes it to a point where a person doesn't even need to learn anything about real playing and performing. That really just, to me, is like, okay, well now we're really, musicians are just not gonna really learn the same way they did. Like, like um, even tuners. Yeah, they don't. Even tuners, yeah. even tuners. Like to me, it was important to me, like Dead Air, we didn't use tuners. We didn't use tuners. Yeah, we, used, we, would, we would tune to each other and we would know what pitch sounded like. You know when something's <clears throat> out of tune, you know when it's in tune. People look down at their tuner, they press the tuner, they hit a string, then they know it's in tune. Mm-hmm. But you have to, you should be able to trust your ears too. Well, like, that, that, that's, I know I'm in tune, I know that's the, the same I know thing. the tension of my strings, you know. As an audio engineer, it's the same thing. I mean, quote unquote, the, you know, it's a dying art, as people would say, right. because, you know, you have so many things that sound so good as soon as you plug them in, you know, and 
everyone has a DAW platform they can record on their computer. And hey, we're doing it right know. now. Exactly. And so like, <laughs> I got a de- still. We're good. Good. <laughs> I got a degree. You know <laughs> what I mean? Have I ever had to pull out my degree? I haven't. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But it's the degree represented like hours that I put into it, and you know, and doing things wrong. Honestly, a lot of failure, mm-hmm. and. You know, when you try and make your own records sometimes, you will find there's a lot of failure in it because not only are you taking on the musician aspect, you know, then you're taking on the, you know, engineer aspect and then you have to learn this whole thing. Then you have to purchase this other stuff and it becomes a long drawn out thing and sometimes it'll just put the kibosh on, you know, certain things. But for demoing things and like making things quick, you know, people who want to make their own YouTube channel and like record, they need a song, mm-hmm. you know, they need to make a song to go with their their video and they're not going to pay rights to this or whatever you know it makes it accessible for that new area of the art form right you know what right. I mean that creative area it's not necessarily good for me as an engineer because it means that people have access to doing stuff and don't need me right but I think that people who still want the input of a producer or the input of a, a, an engineer to help them get the right sound that they want they know that because they've either been through a similar scenario where they've like, I'm not even, I don't even care about that. Or they just know that they want it done right. And in the amount of time that they want it done, not sure to have to go into, you know, the open ended world of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I said, there's a whole nother job description. Mm-hmm. Like live shows is a whole nother job description. Yeah. Yeah. You do it all the time. Yeah. You know, owning a studio, people are like, why don't you own your own studio? I'm like, because that's an entire another investment in job description. Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you have to keep the gear up, keep yep. and you know, which I, is a huge deal. Yeah, and I, you know what? I, like I said, my first studio I worked at was was Fastlane on Flatbush Avenue, and you know, there was just maintenance, and I saw Mike have to deal with the maintenance. Yeah. I used to hang time. out in there in like 1990. Oh, sure, yeah. man, it's a great place. Yeah. Man. Everyone hung out in that lobby. Sad, yeah, sad oh, that oh, it's gone. Man. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. Oh shit, we got some jackhammers happening. We got jackhammers, <laughs> or, or is it a fucking earthquake? Oh no. Um, nice callback, nice callback. So, uh, <laughs> so we're at 140. Oh, I think we're breaking records. I'm glad. I think we broke a record here. Who, who, who's going to sit here and listen to me yap? I don't know. About I mean, it's, it's my nice. coffee. For, I know, I'll fucking listen back. Me too. These are, all just, these are all just my opinions. They don't necessarily reflect anything really happening in the recording or recording in the studio. <laughs> Three guys talking. That's all that's we like, are. That's yeah. one of my favorite things about like actually being in the studio and like recording and like being excited to, you know, be on this podcast. Was like I love conversations that open me up to new ideas and new ways of looking at things. Because sure. if I just sit with my own thoughts, it's just there's just my way. Right. You yeah. know. And like uh, when I was doing the VOD record with with Zeus, every night me and Zeus would stay up for an hour or two after the band was gone, and we would just talk about. Um, you know, staying power of bands or performance aspect or, you know, and, and he, I love his records. Like, you know, I, I get to work with people sometimes that I model what I do after them. You know what I mean? Like, say, like, not like I'm ripping them off at all. I just say, like, I want it to sound as good as that. I want it to be as uh, aggressive as that or as attacky or as bright or as that lo-fi as that guy, you know, depending on what the artist is. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of it comes from the person and the mentality, you know, and behind whether the engineer or the producer or the musician, you know, their personality comes out in their work yeah. when they're in the right environment to, you know, make music. So like, I don't know. It's like, it's great. Like why even listening to this podcast, like all the old episodes, it's just amazing to see the different, um, 
different energies. Like when Joe D'Onofrio was in here, oh, oh, oh it was amazing. Yeah. Like was, I was sitting there, I wanted smiles to like, around the room. I wanted you know? to throw yeah. so many funny. like quotes. He's like, yeah, he's like, hey, what, what is this? A mosh? What do you got? A mosh pit over yeah. here? Oh, oh. It's so great. Like, you know, <laughs> it's hysterical. That's that's my buddy over there, and he 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 is such an amazing energy in a room. Yeah, you know, this is an amazing actor. He is. You know, incredibly talented. And you know, the thing about uh, that guy, I just feel like the greatest thing that you can tell is he's so, he's so uh, appreciative of all the opportunities he's had. Yes. And and his life, he's just like so like, he's not one of these guys that's walking around with his head up his ass that thinks like, oh yeah, I deserve all this. I think think he really, he really understands like, wow, I'm really blessed to have the opportunities he had when he was a kid. That the staying power, those Dude, the movies, fucking guy was just uh, uh, you know? literally just like a little fucking knucklehead troublemaker kid yep. writing graffiti and shit yep. like that. Yep. And next thing you know, he's in two basically classic fucking yep. mob movies. Exactly, yep. Goodfellas and a Bronx Tale. I think like, a lot has to do with that act, like carrying it on just between like like when he said he was in his roles. He, you know, he was just kind of like, oh, you know, he got, he got cast. He didn't really, right. you know, who he's, you know, work with. But right. he, to keep it on into his adult life. Yeah. And to keep, and to be doing a show like Gotham or, you know, or guys like Alago who who talk about, like, what they're doing crazy, now. So amazing what they, story. What, and yeah. the amazing things about these people is that, I think and I think it's a big deal of, of being in the creative world and, you know, making a living off of it is, is that sense of gratitude? Is the staying power has to do is no one wants to deal with a jerk off anymore. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Right. There's yeah. no time for you're throwing a fit and you're not coming out of your hotel room because you don't feel like going on stage. Like people aren't going to deal with it anymore. True. There's the next guy right over there. So, like when you get these opportunities, you're 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 thankful for them, grateful because sure. you worked to get to them. Yeah. And like it's hard to, when you're in them. Mm-hmm. It's hard to see that it's happening right now. It's really hard to see it. But like. Little things like like this, and you guys saying like, "Hey, you guys, um, hey, Jerry, you, you, know, you want to do the podcast?" I'm like, "I'd love to," you know, because I just want to shoot the shit with you guys. Yeah. Right. But then, like, you send me that like the picture, and it says like some of the albums, like, "Oh, yeah," <laughs> you know, like yeah, he texted like, me, he's like, "Oh, it's just yeah." It's funny to look at. It's yeah. funny to look at like what what you know people are gonna quote unquote know you for because I have you know tons of records under my belt, right? Mm. You know, bigger or smaller doesn't really matter. They're all different pieces that the musician right. wanted to put out. But of course I threw in, you know, the Yeah. You know, yeah, do a thing, especially Sick of an old man ball VOD. Yeah, well, especially when it goes to a specific like quote unquote demographic or scene or things like that. It right. Makes sense. But like when I was at the Ali thing the other day mm-hmm. for Drew Stone's um thing, the the people on the panel like to hear their careers summed up oh in like a, a, in a, in a yeah. quote unquote sound blurb. Craig I'm was there blown too. Right? Away. Craig Ahead was there. Yep. Woo, yeah. yeah he was and like panel. you hear like like New York Times for 20 years and this or whatever the credits yeah. were. It's it's amazing because like you look and you say, this is what I'm doing with my life. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and I think that the people that really, really stick with it are the ones that have that type of attitude. You know, they don't maybe they'll treat everyone like that. You know, they don't have to. You know, everyone has a bad day. Everyone can be pissed off at something or not happy about their current situation. But, you know, when you actually love it and you work at it, it like, it goes well, which is what me and my, my Annika boys always talk about. It's like when you love it and you work at it, like, it becomes a part of your life. And, you know, the good things will come. You know, right. good things come about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When it's, I mean, it's true to what you want to do. Sure. You know, and yeah. sometimes the, the good things are like making, you know, money to pay the, the bill. 
you know what I mean? The bills. I, I just, you know. It always helps. Always helps. It always helps. Always it's helps. It's always a nice thing. It's always a good thing. We gotta finish these cookies. You finish guys are finishing the cookies? I'm not I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm watching my guys, fucking girlish food. I've been eyeing my, my sesame uh, Italian ass yeah. cookie <laughs> that I took a bite of at the beginning. Yeah? But, you know, it's almost time for lunch now. We've been talking for like yeah. 16 hours. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Good shit, just, man. We're just at about 150. All right. What do you guys? What do you guys say? Sorry, guys. I apologize. That's no, okay. Sorry what for what? <laughs> yeah. What are you sorry for? What are you kidding? Coming to fucking talk? Listen, that's what we do here. It's it. Yeah. You know, I got opinions. I got, I got nothing to plug. I I don't even have a website yet. I'm working on that. I don't even have like you know record. I got bands I'm working with. You seem to be, I ask, seem to be I doing fine without. I it. ask him. I'm like, send me a picture. You got a logo? No, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a name. No cell. He's got a name, the Jerry yeah. Farley. That's the it. Jerry oh, Farley. Yeah, very so grateful. I have, know. you know, a reputation in New York City. And that's it. I get bands like, you know, I'm, I'm mixing, I'm in the middle of mixing like four records right now. Um, that's incredible. Vinny and the Hooligans, uh, Crimshaw, a bunch of young guys who like really are into the old school way of recording. Mm-hmm. Of like, you know, music. Sure. Like from the classic era and doing it all live. Like, the rhythm tracks, at least. God the bless. Tracks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doing that. Yeah, we did that. We got all the sounds and did all the bass, guitars, and drums together. And, yeah. You know, and... Um, Lou, Lou speak, there's a lot of Sick of It All talk, but Lou from Sick of It All did a song with Vinny and the Hooligans. Yeah, Vinny and the Hooligans, yeah. And so, um, so did Jason from Iron Sheik. You okay. know, that, and that was an idea we came, pulled together right at the end of the recording. I turned to, to Vinny Ponzin and I'm just like, hey, um, wouldn't Jason from Iron Sheik be great in this? He's like, I want Lou and the other one. What do you think? I was like, Let's hit them up. If they want to do it, they'll do it. And Lou was just, they were both so happy to be there. Mm. Yeah. You know, and he was like, this is great. Like, you know, I love doing this. Like, and that's why. Yeah. You know, they love doing it, you know, and. That's why. You know, there's once no, again. Just, there's no fucking egos. There's no, it's, 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 it's fucking awesome. I, I've been lucky enough that I think the majority of people I work with, my, my two criteria is that have to be, you know, are you a hard worker? And you have a good attitude. Right, you know, right. The music is up to you. Right. Like, you know, someone approached me and they, I, I like the interaction or they want to talk about it. Like, we start making a plan and I love it. Like, yeah. let's move ahead. It's whatever you envision for this yeah. record. And so I get to I get to work with a lot of really cool people and check the ego at the door. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So. Cool, man. Cool. Awesome. Well, any Candaria news? Uh... Not that I could get into right now. Hey, you know we're writing. Yeah, new record. Yeah, new we, record. We just announced uh, we're doing a, a, a date uh, March eighth at mm-hmm. the Gramercy Theater. Uh, my buddy Chris Santos, his new record label, Blacklight Media, which is associated with Metal Blade Records. Um, it's their first showcase, the label's first showcase, and Chris they asked Santos us to headline. Yeah, he's he's a great guy. He actually introduced us to the people from Metal Blade, so we wanted to just you know he asked us to do this, so we just wanted to just say yes. Whatever you need, we'll we'll do it. You know, and uh, awesome. and you're headlining so we're to Gramercy Theater. What's that? Yeah, we're headlining Gramercy Theater. We have something really special planned for it. We're doing uh, well. We're working on um, a collector's edition of Beyond Reasonable Doubt, our second album, mm. which uh, we're just past the 20 year mark. Oof. So we want to put out a really nice uh, deluxe edition of that record on uh, my my label, Rising Pulse Records, and we're gonna do a really spe- special set on uh, March 8th at Gramercy Theater. Uh, what are you doing? We're playing songs from Beyond Reasonable Doubt, a lot of them. Some songs we've never, in the history of this band, we've never performed before. 
I'm going to fly my boat back to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> anyway. so, so we, have a great, we have a great night planned. We have a great headlining set planned. We really want to pull out all the stops. We're going to have guest vocalists. We're going to have all kinds of stuff happening. So, um, yeah. Good stuff. That's, that's, that's March 8th. March 8th. At the Gramercy Theater. Thursday, March 8th at the Gramercy Theater. Thank you. NYC. Cool, man. Of course I'll be there. it be a lot of fun. Good stuff. Hey, hey. You, wanna, you want me to fucking rattle off the nonsense? Rattle off the nonsense. All right. <laughs> Fuck. All right. Um, <laughs> iTunes, SoundCloud, Overcast, Google Play, Podcast Addict, Podcast Chart, wherever the fuck you get your podcast from, at the Brooklyn Blast Furnace. On iTunes, I, I always I say it every fucking week, but it's very important for the podcast if you rate and review it on iTunes. It counts as quote-unquote mm-hmm. activity. Whatever the fuck their algorithms are, I don't know what the fuck, but it, it, if there's more activity, more ratings, more comments, then it kind of puts us up in rankings so it yeah. gets more visible to other people. Therefore, other people will listen. Therefore, growing our listeners. Mm-hmm. I and did it on both my device and on my iTunes. Thank my you, computer. sir. Uh, what a guy. And, and all the way down in the i in the, that app, the iPod app, mm-hmm. and say in the the iPhone, you scroll all the way down at the bottom. That's where the the, the right. stars. Right. See, are. but on a desktop, like, desktop, it's in a different. It's in a different yeah. spot because I have a Droid phone, but I have a Mac desktop. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Right. So, right. um, yeah. Um. Also, I'll rattle this off. Facebook, there is a group and a page. Just just type in the Brooklyn Blast Furnace podcast and they'll both come up. Um, there's Blast Furnace Productions. There is on Twitter, it's Blast Furnace NYC. Instagram at Blast Furnace Productions. Risingpulse.com for Candiria swag. Candiria <laughs> mm, yeah. the band on Instagram. Can, at Candiria on Twitter, correct? And Facebook, yeah. And Facebook. Mm-hmm. What am I forgetting? Mm-hmm. I think it's about it. Any, yeah. any way yeah. we can reach? Well, any way me, it's basically. Yeah. 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 How, how do we get in touch with the a, Jerry any, Folly? Any of those platforms, you know, the social media things. It's just you just gotta find the Jerry Farley. And you'll it's, find you it. know T H E J E R R Y F A R L E Y at and then put the rest in the Instagram, right. you know, wherever it is, and Twitter. And uh, I just shared this morning the. Um, the Madball song they did a lyric video for. I found it wow. last night, like one a.m. I was like, "Oh, nice!" Woo! I was like, "I didn't psyched. see it yet. I gotta nice. check it out." Nice. Yeah, it's it's dope. But yeah, you just find me, you know, hit me up. You want to work together? I don't, you know, I don't. Yeah. Know. But, you know, I just yeah. I'll have a website up eventually. I've been working on the past year, but you know, I would like to do that too. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, you got to Yeah, I have my buddy working on it, but you know, the reality is, is that I think it's now that now is the time to reach that next level of putting it out. Yeah, you sure. know, that I mean, you know, there. having Facebook and having all of these social media platforms is kind of like having is your own the, website anyway. You know, yeah. you know, a lot of people just go visit Facebook anyway. Yeah, you look at my so. Facebook and the first thing that puts public is like my, sure. if you're not my friend, is like, it, is but all it the albums But it costs you I've fucking done. $3 dollars to have a website. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it, yeah. it's good to have it. It is. It, and it, it's it, also, it, can, it can't hurt. It can't hurt and it's also important to, to take people away from those social media yes. platforms and bring them to your personal website. It's really important to do that. Yeah, it is. Because this way you're getting traffic to your personal site. Right. Traffic. That's what I do. I use Facebook. 98% of my posts nowadays are podcast related. Mm-hmm. 
So I promote on that, and I promote on that, and I promote on Instagram, and I promote on Twitter. That's all I do. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of like my Twitter. My Twitter is completely has to do with just recording aspects. Right. It's like so, I have my personal Instagram page, which I follow like maybe 50 people. I only have a few people on there. Blast Furnace, I only follow like 60-something people, I think. But all of I don't I don't post a picture of my daughter on the Blast Furnace one. It's all Blast Furnace shit related. Yep. Like in a little while, there'll be a picture of us three. That's and it. maybe even a singular uh, picture yeah. of you. And maybe a picture of a pignoli cookie. And oh, yeah, yeah, well, there might be a box of fucking pastry. So for future guests, you know, take a hint. Hey. You know? hey. <laughs> yeah. Take a you hint. Know? Jerry you got Fong. some coffee. You got a pretty <laughs> <laughs> fucking Gintaloon you know? cookies. Nice. <laughs> Butter them up. And you get, you get a two hour podcast. Hey, you go. There you go. Over here now! Alright, <laughs> and that's it! Kill it, Johnny! Fuck! Until you